comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at www.audiblechild.com slash outnowpodcast. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your Android, iPhone, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we're doing November Roundup. Woohoo! Roundup! Yeah! Woody's Roundup! <laughs> Wait a minute! I forgot my introduction! We are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello! Tip of my hat to you! Out Now is a film podcast. Abe and I are discussing new movies weekly. However, every now and then we like to have these special bonus episodes when we just don't have a, a new movie we want to talk about or we want to get to one of our commentaries or something of that nature. And yeah, that's basically what this is. Uh, we um, we uh, There's only so many releases this week. It's thanks, It was Thanksgiving weekend. There, a lot of us were busy doing other things, so instead of, you know trying to grapple together guests and figure out a show to do. We just figured, why not do something completely different? And that's what we're doing. We have a bonus episode here. We're doing a little November roundup of uh, news items and other movies we might have recently seen and just a, a collection of ideas. So I hope you guys like it because uh, we're certainly going to try to make the best of this conversation. It's kind of like our Krusty's Comeback special special. Just like that? Yeah. To, 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 take, over, to take away from Gabbo? Yeah, we just need Bette Midler. That's all that we need. Well, <laughs> news for you, I got Bette. Oh! What? The Bette Midler? The wing, the wind beneath my wings? Exactly, the wind beneath ah. my wings. Uh, but yeah, so we're just gonna we're gonna go into some stuff here. Um, first off, though, let's get to a few announcement things, a few show notes, just to get the ball rolling. Um, iTunes reviews and ratings, good to get those. It helps out our show, helps other people find our show. And actually, we did get a new review on iTunes. All I gotta say is yes, thank you very much. Well, you're gonna say yes again when you realize it is from a person named Jose 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 Cordova. <laughs> the Jose? Yeah. It says, I love this show because it is just a lot of fun. Abe has a... Abe, no, not Abe. Aaron has a voice made for radio, and the rapport between he and Abe is great. They have awesome guests, especially that Jose guy, and everyone on the show really knows their stuff. Love the Know Everybody segment as well as the games. Definitely check the show out. Five stars. So Boom. thanks for that, Jose. Boom. And of course, that was probably very easy for him to write, just like it would be very easy for anybody else to write if they just log on iTunes, search out now with Aaron and Abe, and you know, take a little bit of time and help out our show. We'd be really appreciated. Thank you very much. So let's start with it, Abe. Let's, uh, let's get to the first big trailer. So obviously this week there was a lot of announcement, a lot of hubbub about Star Wars colon Episode 7 dash The Force Awakens. And uh, this was like an 88-second trailer. It was very teasery. Aaron, what were your thoughts? Uh, I mean, good thing to point out right now. I th it seems like they're just going Star Wars: The Force Awakens. So I mean, are they? Oh, that not, seems to be the way they're going about the it. Colon, the, wow. Hmm. Yeah, they, well, they're they're basically doing it old school way. They're doing it just to, you know, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Like they're just not. It's just Star Wars: The Force Awakens. So that's cool. That makes it simple. <laughs> I, I can deal with that. It makes it simple on us because as much as fun as I want to have talking about Hunger Games: Cole and Mockingjay Dash Part Two next year, <laughs> I'm a little happier saying just Star Wars: The Force Awakens. That's easy for me. It's much easier. The the grammar police are not going to be mad at us at all. Yeah. So with the Star Wars trailer, many should know already that the trailer was obviously a big release for Disney, and they wanted to do it in a very exciting way. So the initial announcement was they were only going to play it in a few theaters, uh, about 30 theaters in America. 
and I'm not sure what the around the world situation was, but that was the idea. And then later on, it was announced that it would be available online for one day only using iTunes. Of course, it's obviously been taken off and put on you on the YouTube's on the YouTube in full yeah. high def glory and everything. But with that in mind, I was so much of a fan of the idea of seeing it only in a theater. And because I happen to live in an area that's close to one of the many theaters listed, not only one of the many theaters, but one of the theaters that has a giant IMAX screen, um, I I completely avoided watching it until I saw it in IMAX. Um, it was a very hard thing to do. <laughs> it was a very <laughs> difficult task to not want to ruin an 88-second trailer for myself throughout the day. But I was able to go with my lovely girlfriend over to the IMAX theater and see Interstellar again with the trailer in full IMAX presentation. Now, what that means is that by seeing this trailer, I got to see the trailer, of course, and the final scene involving the Millennium Falcon uh, just rip-roaring through Tatooine, I assume, that was presented in a full IMAX frame. It was a full-screen IMAX shot of Millennium Falcon soaring and shooting at TIE Fighters. That was the craziest thing I've seen in a very long time in a theater. Um, and you know, love Star Wars. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how deep yeah. I've gone into my love for Star Wars besides just saying I love Star Wars and I'm a Star Wars guy, especially when Star Trek seems to come up so often on this podcast. Because um, we've had Star Trek movies come out in the time that we've done this podcast. We haven't had a Star Wars movie come out. Um but yes, I, I, I am very much a Star Wars fan. I love the series. I love the original trilogy, of course. It's it's my given. It's like I can't – it's it's hard for me to just say it's one of my favorite movies because that seems like it's something that people should just know. Um, but with that in mind, I, I, I ate this all up. I just – from the opening shot of like just desert sands of what, again, what I assume is Tatooine. And I love the structure. I mean I love like basically it's just about showing you all the new characters. It's like here's John Boyega. Here's, here's uh, Daisy Ridley. Here's what I assume is Adam Driver. There's Oscar Isaac. Like it's they just like it's like here's the new cast. We're not gonna show you the old cast yet. You know they're there. Who needs them? Well, but yeah. we'll show you something old. How about a Millennium Falcon rip roaring through the sands of Tatooine? And let's show you something crazy too. How about a lightsaber that's also a broadsword? Apparently, like just all this <laughs> stuff. And Andy Circus narrating like it's just like well, this is crazy. I soccer ball, soccer ball droid, soccer ball droid. Around. The yeah. sound, oh my god, just the... <laughs> just like hearing Ben Burt sounds and new John Williams Star Wars score. Oh my god, I was all about this trailer. I loved it, loved this trailer. It's and <laughs> it's just a teaser. Like I wasn't expecting like something crazy. It's a teaser trailer for a movie that comes out a year from now. We'll get plenty more in between that time. But for the time being, I love seeing what I saw. Are you gonna Are you gonna watch any more of the trailers? Of course I am. Okay, I'm so not you're, you're all for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a point in the trailer where I was like, oh wow, this is actually really really cool, which is all of it actually, because I am not a huge fan of Star Wars. Not like I'm not. Don't, let me backtrack. Let me backtrack. I really really enjoy Star Wars a lot. Would I go out so far to say is I'm like a huge super fan of it? Not really, but I enjoy them immensely. My favorite is uh, Empire Strikes Back. And I really enjoyed this trailer, too. I think that there's a lot to it that you can take from it. Like what you had said, there's no need to show any of the old guys. You know that they're going to show up sometime or uh, sometime or another. But now you see this story of, I don't know what's going to happen to this stormtrooper. Why is John Boyega so prominent, right? So maybe he's, uh, I don't know, maybe he's going to go root for the Rebels somehow? I don't know. Also, didn't the Rebels win in the... In the previous series, I so mean, clearly there's you know still some stuff going on. You got stormtroopers yeah. running around. There's tie fighters. I mean, those <laughs> X-wings right skimming right above the those, water. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so cool. And that was actually really neat. And again, like the uh, the I like the way that they they've taken the the Millennium Falcon. The way that they 
use the camera effect so that you're kind of going upside down with it and going. I can only imagine what it was on on, on IMAX. And I remember like you texted me and said, if you're not going to see it in theaters, then check it out today. And I was like, oh, maybe it's like a limited, uh, maybe it's a limited release time only. But then I thought, wait a minute, once it's online, I'm pretty sure someone's going to capture yeah, it yeah, and put yeah. it all on YouTube forever, right? So uh, I actually, right when you sent me that text, I immediately went over and I watched the trailer with my uh, my family that came into town for the Thanksgiving holiday. And uh, we were like, yeah, all right. I probably would stay away from the trailers, me personally, because uh, uh, I probably just would watch this one and maybe the first trailer that comes out because I, like uh, I like to go in with a uh, with few visual uh, cues to point me toward where the story is going to be going. I mean, again, I've, I've we've talked about this in the past. That's good on you for doing that. I just – I'm so – I. It's it's very rare that a trailer like really clues me into what I should expect from a movie. It's just more of mm-hmm. I appreciate the art of the trailer. Um, That's true. That yeah. said, uh, here's like a question: Have you gone? Did, did you like go back and watch the Interstellar trailers after having seen the movie? I didn't, but I remember like a colleague told me uh, that Anne Hathaway says her love thing in there, and I think that would have. Uh, not necessarily thrown me off, but I think that would have been something that. Uh, you say she says that. I don't remember that at all. But, okay, okay. <laughs> maybe they were mistaken. But I didn't. Go and back if she and did, watch it wasn't significant enough yeah. because of just the way the trail was constructed for me right. to really think about it. Because I didn't think about that at all. I don't remember. I don't. Re- I literally don't recall that whatsoever. With that being said, though, I will say that uh, I did go back and rewatch the Dark Knight Rises trailers because remember I had only watched the teaser and then yeah. the first trailer, and I thought that they, it's not that they really gave anything away, but the Batcopter was there. And um, that was actually a really neat thing for me to see just without knowing about it in the movie, uh, especially when he's being chased through the streets of Pittsburgh. They just go through this dark alley, and then all of a sudden, bad captor. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I didn't rewatch really the, the Interstellar trailers, but I'm pretty certain you're right that they're not going to give anything away that would be totally, totally revealing because that'd just be a waste of uh, – or that'd be I think that'd be a, a false move, which they're probably very aware of. Yeah, and they're just, I mean, they're good little short films. Like, that's why it's cool to watch these. That's why I like watching these trailers. Like, and it's, yeah. especially after the fact, I mean, it, it, it's one thing to be told what was in them after the fact, but another thing to actually see them and just, you know, enjoy the fact that you got to see this, like, your little cool art film <laughs> that yeah. just happens to have this huge budget in little <laughs> slices. Um, but, well, yeah, Star Wars, yeah, I'm, you know, I, what I, you know, I do know, like, it's obviously it's 88 seconds. You barely have any time to really get a feel of what so it's going to be like. There is, yeah. And I'm sure there's plenty of articles that de- details, you know, the 33 things you missed in the Star Wars trailer or whatever. Oh, yeah. But, I've already um, seen a ton of those, like, frame-by-frame frame breakdowns. Like, yeah. Yeah, But okay. re- regardless, what I like is that it doesn't feel like Star Trek so far. Like, and, not, and that's not a sliding in oh, Star Trek. Oh, what do you Trek. mean? I just mean, I mean, like, it doesn't feel like, I mean, aside from the lack of lens player, it, it, it did have a feel of a different kind of movie. It's still in the same kind of genre per se, but it 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 did feel like JJ again. This is based on 88 seconds of a movie, but it feels like there's a conscious attempt to make it feel akin to the world of Star Wars as opposed to the akin to the world of JJ Abrams films or into the Star Trek films, which I've been joking as saying he already made a couple Star Trek movies, Star Wars movies are called Star Trek. <laughs> uh, but it it like there's there's something there. I could there's 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 little things there that just give it that kind of feel of like this is trying to do something that's more on this side of the spectrum. Absolutely. Together. So I agree with you that they're trying to preserve some some sense of the uh, the Star Wars trilogy. Uh, and I do see what you're saying with regard to how, you know, you had the original Star Trek series and then you see the new Star Trek reboot in 2009 and it's very, uh, I guess, 
modern, I, I suppose. Which comes uh, with the territory, and that's not, you know, I, I understand it's not that. not bad, right? And I, and, I, and I mean, I know, like, friend of the show, Adam Gentry, he really dislikes the new Star Trek because he thinks and he's it does. he's a huge Star Trek fan, right? He is. He's a huge Star Trek fan, so he thinks it really kind of abandons what makes that ser- the original series and the follow-up films and TV shows work. And... I, you know, I'm not a Star Trek guy, so I just, I don't know how to, you know, wh- I don't know how to either agree or defend his points or disagree. I don't, I don't know how to make that argument work for myself. So, uh, but all I can say is that, yeah, looking at these, these recent Star Trek movies and what J.J. Abrams has done with them, he certainly has, if, if Star Trek, you know, I've always kind of related Star Trek to kind of like submarine movies where it's very much more cerebral and focused on a lot of kind of claustrophobic tension and whatnot, along with, you know, obviously they're going on, you know, planetary adventures, they're going on interstellar adventures and whatnot, so it's, <laughs> you know, there's, there's more going on, but it, it has a different sort of feel than something like Star Wars, which is, it's less sci-fi and more fantasy that just happens to take place in space, and so, yeah, there's, I guess by up- updating those Star Trek films to this area now, it, it does feel like it, it's it's trying to be, not a knockoff of Star Wars, but in that sort of sense, it's kind of coming in from the 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 influences he's had as a huge Star Wars fan. That is something J.J. Abrams is. He's a huge Star Wars guy. He wasn't a Star Trek guy until he started making these movies. And here's a question for you. So are you kind of going to uh, try and dissect where the Sith arrive or where, what they're trying to do, or are you just going to sit back and relax and enjoy it? Oh, in terms of like anticipating the movie, I have no concern about what the plot is. I don't. Okay. And it's not. And it's not saying I don't care. It's just more. That's not the kind of thing I like looking into, and it's not the kind of thing I focus on when it comes to like movies coming out. It's I. I never look into the plots or who characters are. I just look into you know who's starring in it, and who's directing it, what you know what I'm seeing so far from a trailer or whatnot. But it's it's rare that I actually analyze what I think is going to happen in the story because even though I'm watching trailers. I still don't like to be, you know, ruined on plots or whatnot necessarily. And yeah. I know I, I, I'm good enough at this where I know how to kind of observe things without being feeling like I've, I've spoiled them for me. <laughs> and if you do spoil them, you probably just keep them in a secret compartment and just deny it until you see the movie so that you're still fresh, right? It, well, it's funny because, like, as much as people I, – I don't like the term turn your brain off and just watch it, like, with Transformers films or whatnot. It's still – it's something similar to that where I can just turn my mind off in terms of – like, that's why I don't predict twists in movies or things like that. It never comes yeah. to me because I just – there's something in my mind where I just – I don't fret about those kind of elements and just sit back and enjoy what's happening. Yeah, I mean, that's actually a really good thing for you because uh, I tend to do that a lot, which is why I started to watch fewer and fewer trailers in terms of the larger epic movies where they have multiple trailers, up to four trailers, let's say. Um, But yeah, I I try and stay away from that because I try to stop myself from trying to figure out what the story is going to be, what the plot line is, who the main characters are, and what the arc is going to be. Because I then will probably ask the internet for help and say, hey, what did you guys think of all these frame-by-frame shots? And it's like, nah, let's not do that, Abe. So it's a good idea that uh, – it's a good thing that you can have that self-control because I think it is one of those things where you don't want to go in and be really, really genuinely excited and kind of uh, still open to a lot of the things that the movie's going to present to you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's – it's just it's how I roll. That's all I can really say about that. It's like I know everyone's different. Put it on your sunglasses. That's how I roll. Speaking of rolling, let's move on to um, our next trailer, uh, Jurassic World. Um, this is the you know the fourth entry in the Jurassic Park franchise. It uh, comes from director um, like Colin Trevorrow. 
I believe so, yeah. Uh, but regardless, I know he directed one of your favorite films of a couple years ago, Safety Not Guaranteed, and now he's uh, directing and he's co-written this film. Jurassic World which takes place in a future where Jurassic Park is now Jurassic World, and it's finally open to the public. Um, it, it stars Chris Pratt as a raptor trainer and, um, <laughs> and Bryce Dallas Howard as one of the park managers. And apparently um, she and others have kind of worked it creating a new dinosaur at a lab which has led to some some consequences what could possibly go wrong which once again puts the jeopardy of many people's lives at stake and forces some dinosaur mayhem to occur uh, with all that said it's only again it's only a teaser trailer for Jurassic world but Dave, what'd you think of this trailer i was kind of intrigued by it just because it's the park that's open in the other two films uh, well actually in the third one that was an opinion. That was actually just more of a spinoff of what happened with the uh, the other island, I think. But this one's actually open, so like, I, sec- I don't know. The second one was the other island. The third one was back to the original island. Back, oh, okay. What? Yeah, with the uh, with the Sam Neill again, and the and the yeah. kid who evades everybody by using Tyrannosaurus urine to mark his territory. Um, he was no gymnast, though. So. <laughs> Good job, kid. Basically, I really like the third one over the second one, but we'll get to that. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, Jeff Goldblum. Um, no, but this one it was interesting because I want to see where they could go with it, where they could do with the animal or the the dinosaurs, and what they can show you. Because there's a there's a Sea World element to it. There's like these uh, clear 3D globes that you can sit in and explore the the territory. And then Chris Pratt wearing his leather jacket, being all cool, or weather leather vest, and being all cool. But at the same time. You know something? Why would you ever want to play God with these dinosaurs and experiment and crossbreed them to create this super dinosaur that you can't really control? As much as I'm intrigued by it, it's probably more the same, and I don't know how much I can really go and enjoy that aspect. I don't know how much more you can really take from it. I like this trailer a lot, and what I like is that it's given me a need for Jurassic Park 4. It's given me... This is about the most excited I could be for a fourth iteration of the Jurassic Park series, and I'm very happy about that. Like, if it has to happen, I'm glad it's made me, you know, excited to see it as opposed to dreading the happen that it's coming. Um, and what I do think is different is that it actually has a park open. Like, there's reason for it to exist now. It's not just like... Yep, once again, a random boat's, like, cruised by, and there's dinosaurs attacking them. Like, there's an actual reason. It's like, no, we got it under control, and now we actually have the park, and this is what it looks like when it's actually open, and there's people there. So that already, that already gives me, like, a setting to go off of. It already gives me a different direction to head than testing out the park or trying another approach to making the park work. Now the park actually works. Right. And so along with that, I have Chris Pratt, who's doing his best to be the new Han Solo, um, or, just Harrison, <laughs> or just Harrison Ford in general, and a lot, along with a lot of other people. I got Vincent Afrio in here, Jake Johnson's in this cast. I, I like Bryce Dallas Howard. Uh, like, there's just people, there's that stuff there. Insidious is Ty Simpkins. Insidious is Ty Simpkins. Like, I like Jurassic Park a lot. I don't call I love it... Jurassic Park. 1993 is Jurassic Park. Yes, I don't, I don't call it a favorite movie of mine, because it honestly isn't. Um, but I've, I've, I know it. I, it's one of those movies I know I can watch and know all the lines and sit there and just be just very comfortable with it. But it's not like a movie I consider to be like my favorite movie ever. And yes, I'm, I'm clearly, I'm at, I'm at that age where I, I grew up with it as it came out. So it's like I saw it in the theater and it was like, you know, revolutionary for his time. And I acknowledge all that. That said, what Jurassic Park has, which few movies can kind of recreate along, aside from other movies that, you know, came out in pivotal times in the world of special effects and whatnot, is that it did create this kind of 
this blend of of uh, of um, animatronic practical effects and CG. Yeah. And yes, it, some of it looks you know more dated than others, and then that never bothers me really. Like it takes a lot for me that something like that to bother me. Like like more mid nineties CGI bothers me the most more than like eighties or seventies. So or yeah, more. I agree with you on the CGI for Jurassic Park, which is it's actually not bad. You can see what parts are, but at the same time. They have done a good job of using the the live action animatronics that it kind of seamlessly blends. Sure, the the brontosaurus, brachiosaurus part in the beginning where Doctor Grant and Doctor Sattler are just pointing at supposedly a green screen that one looks a little weird. But no, there's no green screen. They're just they're just pointing at nothing. They're just pointing and at nothing and later. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but later when they're you know when they're escaping the the velociraptors, um, there's a couple parts where it you know that it's that it's been um, uh, computer animated. But it still looks okay. Oh, look, it looks fantastic because Spielberg's a great director. He knows he is, what yeah. it's. It's not just about like you know, but it's setting up say, the shots. It's about yeah. having having control over what you know is going to elicit the most emotion out of you. So yeah. knowing how to shoot a camera in a place where pots and pans can fall over and the kids can react, knowing that a raptor is going to be there later, Spielberg knows how to make that tension work. Yeah, and I will say that the 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 shots that really really matter are done with practical effects, and that is awesome. Yeah. Like the T Rex head. The Dilophosaurus, the uh, mm-hmm. the Triceratops, that's all. That's a great. It, it still just adds this really beautiful feel. But anyhow, that was world. That was always the scariest thing to me too. The Dilophosaurus, like the other the yes. raptor stuff, and the, that stuff's like, yeah, all right, that's that's good. Like, but a, a, a little lizard that just opens its head at you and suddenly spits evil it, it poo. It freaks me out. Like, yeah, that's terrifying. Out when, yeah, when Newman was like running around. Yeah, and then all of a sudden you have him in the car. You think he's safe. And there it is. It's 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 uh what what would you call it? Like it's main? I don't know what you would call it. Yeah, Whatever yeah. just pops open, and then it's got that rattle sound. Yeah, and uh, freaks me out there. So in saying all that, I bring that up because yeah, Jurassic World obviously it's 2014, 2015 when this movie comes out. Obviously, it's going to use the latest and greatest in special effects. That's something that gets lost on a lot of people too. It's like it's nice to say yeah, we want more practical effects, but when those movies came out. They were working with what was the latest and greatest thing at that time. So now this is a new movie that's working with again the latest and greatest thing at this right. time. So it, it's not just like it's not just about using what ideally you would want because when you were younger it looked good. It's about using what works best for the filmmakers. And a movie like Jurassic World, yes, it's going to have a lot of CGI in it. Um, and obviously it's not necessarily done yet. A lot of it's you know getting there, and a lot of it looks very good, I think. Right. Uh, but I don't, I don't, I don't have a complaint about the CGI. Is what really I'm getting at. Like, it, I, me either. It's, it's something I expected to see in a, in a 2015 Jurassic Park movie involving dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, it's not like we're going to go and recreate a numerous number of animatronics just for the movie, which they could. But again, CGI. We've talked about this in in recent animated movies like How to Train Your Dragon 2, where the CGI looks amazing and. The water CGA and the hair and everything else. So I'm pretty sure that they could probably, uh, if they didn't outsource this to the lowest bidder kind of thing, then uh, I'm pretty sure that they have pretty good effects. That's the other thing. This is Jurassic World. This is produced by Spielberg. It's not like they're getting the shabbiest guys on the job to do this. Thing. Like, it's <laughs> gonna look amazing. <laughs> and I think it did look. I thought I loved seeing the gyro sphere thing they was rolling. That in. was cool. Uh, yeah, that was cool. Again, I, the, the whole entire concept of the park being open. I, you and I both agreed that that's something that I really want to see. How they they're going to expand on that? How they're going to explore that? Mm-hmm. And like, Question for you. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Well, I was going to so, say because I really like the because it's you know it's obviously it's, it's Spielberg's world exactly. And you have a shot of them basically bringing out Jaws and showing you look how small Jaws is now when we have a giant dinosaur eat Jaws as food. <laughs> <laughs> 
which is really it confused me a little bit because that 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 is a giant sea dinosaur. Yeah. And how did they control that thing? Like, those that crowd looks really close. They get the splash zone too. It's, it's like that's that's freaking... called training. That's called animal training. <laughs> we know they can be trained. They open doors. They're smart. They're smart they, animals. Yes, they did. They Chris did. Pratt rides around in a motorcycle with velociraptors. Right next to velociraptors. I know. <laughs> it's, it's the coolest I think, thing. I think there's already been a GIF out where he punches them in the face, like some fake animated GIF where he's punching them in the face. Anyhow, my question for you was Spielberg. They they prominently write his name there. Does that give you a bunch of confidence in this movie? It doesn't give more or less confidence. It's more like it's not something I didn't know already because it's a new Jurassic Park movie. I mean, he's obviously involved in some capacity. Right. That'd be like asking me if it makes Transformers seem any better since he executive produces all those movies. It's like, well, we know what those are like. I mean, I, I feel like Jurassic Park is probably one of the movies that he's very close to, although I would say he's probably close to all of his movies. But at the same time, when someone's making more sequels to a movie that he obviously directed the first the sec, the first two films in, obviously he has a deep connection to that. So seeing somebody else handle a property that he was once responsible for, he probably wants to have a little more vision on it than movies that he might just casually have his name attached to. So, Like the Transformers movies again, for example. Right which again i i always thought of like the first transformers as the one that steven spielberg was probably like watching closest and then like that yeah the ones are just like the next few were just like yeah all right <laughs> i see what yeah i see what you guys are doing here that one but, does have yeah. more but that one has the most emotion in it of the i bought well, the fourth one i guess has because it has the family stuff going on it tried something regardless of how good that was i mean <laughs> i always think the first one was that boy in his car it was the it was the most et of the jurassic park or of the transformer movies yeah with uh, with Lincoln Park as the score, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. The new John, the John Williams of two thousands, yeah, making you feel all the feels with Lincoln Park. <laughs> oh, and I did really like the Jurassic Park theme in this trailer. Like, yes, me too. Yeah. yeah, where it's just piano or like one key at a time kind of thing. I was saying the only thing that disappointed me about this Jurassic World trailer was the lack of B.D. Wong. Wait, you was I thought that they maybe I was confusing that with something else I had seen BD Wong in. They showed a shot of the lab, uh, but they didn't. But show no BD Wong. And they had there's a screenshot of him in the movie, but they ah. but that wasn't in the trailer though. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Because I was like, wait a minute, I thought that I saw BD Wong somewhere for Jurassic World, but yeah, no, BD Wong, that guy, he, he did he? That means he escaped from the island during the during the first one. Yeah, he made it out. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, the secrets are safe with him. Yeah. We got a few um, we got a few uh, questions about the Jurassic Park trailer, or that kind of fit with it. Let's we do it. Get to those now. Uh, first one is, what do you guys think Jeff Goldblum will pop up in Jurassic World? If it was a third act surprise, I'd love that. Yeah, if he does pop up, I'm I'm not gonna be like, oh, I'm not Jeff Goldblum. It's gonna be more of like, oh, okay, well, you know, he probably has a, a purpose to play, and even if it's just like a a quick cameo, like a Stan Lee cameo, I'm pretty sure that we'd be okay with that too. Yeah. Like, who doesn't like Jeff Goldblum? Especially in that movie. Yeah. Talking about Matt. Thank you. That was a time, yeah. That was a time in the 90s when they're like, Jeff Goldblum could be an action star. So he's in ID4. And he's he's the lead in The Lost World. (laughs) It's like, what happened? (laughs) Um, The next question is, uh, what do you think about Chris Pratt being the new hotness? That correlates with this because we're talking about Jurassic World needs to starve it. Um, I like Chris Pratt a lot. I think he's a very personable guy. He has a great personality. 
Um, he's very funny in movies and very effective in the roles that he's been given to play in films so far. And I've been loving him. Ever, I've never watched, uh, was it Everwood, the show that he was on? I've never seen Everwood either. But I've, I've loved him on Parks and Rec the whole yeah. time, and I'm glad yeah, that he's broken that. I love him on Andy, or as Andy on Parks and Rec, I always have. And then when he when he had his Guardians of the Galaxy fame, it was just like, dude, Buff Chris Pratt is really cool. Well, even then, before that, we had him in Moneyball, and we had him in Zero yeah, Dark Thirty. Yeah, he was in Moneyball too. Yeah. If you remember, he played first baseman. I can't remember the name now, but he had this. He had his uh, soul patch on, and uh, you know, well, the Moneyball itself. That, I I really like that movie, and I I was uh, rooting for for Brad Pitt for to win Best Actor that year. But yeah, no, Chris Pratt, I, I enjoy him, even though he's uh, slimmed down. He's still. He's still a funny guy. He's still got a lot of laughs coming out of him. I've been calling him. He's like, he's like the male Jennifer Lawrence. That's how I've been kind of picturing him. Or <laughs> he's just like a guy you just want to hang out with. <laughs> this is probably true. He seems like a really cool dude. And his wife is on Moms. Yeah, I have, on, I have a, on a Ferris, yeah. yeah. But, of course, uh, had her own. She's, she's had funny, plenty of success, yeah. Yeah, she's a funny gal, too. So, so yeah. Um, so with all that, by the way, uh, Star Wars Force Awakens, that opens December 2015. Uh, Jurassic World opens sooner, uh, June 12, 2015. And um, I think now we can get to our next trailer we're going to talk about. And that is for Pan. This, Oof. This, is the, uh, this is the new film from director Joe Wright, who we're big fans of. Yep. Um, this is an origin story, uh, just because we had Dracula untold, so obviously the next logical we step was to, go, was to go Pan. Of course, in IMAX probably, right? Uh, I don't know. Probably uh, not. Um, maybe 3D. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, this is kind of a, an origin story for Pan. I'll, I'll read the IMDb description. It says, The story of an orphan who is spirited away to a magical Neverland. There he finds both fun and dangers and ultimately discovers his destiny to become the hero who will forever be known as Peter Pan. The film has Hugh Jackman as Blackbeard. Amanda Seyfried as The Barry, Blackbeard? The Blackbeard. Yeah. Rooney Mara as, as, as Tiger Lily. We'll get back to that. Garrett Hedlund as Hook. So yeah, we have... And yeah, there's a young actor, Levi Miller, as Peter Pan. Abe, I'll ask you right off the bat. Sure. What do you, what are your, what are your thoughts on just the idea of having this kind of Pan origin story? So I'm not a huge fan of it, and that's not because I don't like Peter Pan, or I've never read the book. I have read the book, and I thought the book was actually very. It's a little bit more sobering than the movies are, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't fully understand where this one is coming from. It's not to say that you know you can't keep making movies. And origin stories, but uh, this is something that's telling you about the untold story, and maybe it's untold because nobody's ever thought of it before, therefore it's original, but do you really need it? And I'm not sure. What really interests me a lot about this movie is that Joe Wright's directing it, and again, like what you said, we're both big fans of Joe Wright. I enjoy what he does with music, and I enjoy his... his uh, visual style. Visual, yeah, his visual elements that he, that he puts onto the screen. Um, I'd be curious to see how this one pans out, because... You had read the list of characters, which one of them is Garrett Hedlund as Hook, and as everyone is well aware, Hook and Peter Pan are, are foes. So uh, in this one, they seem to be chums, and it can seemingly only go one way. So I'm curious to see how this one's going to pan it, out. It seems like it's pulling like an Oz great and powerful type thing with this story. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we were, you know, we used to be buds. And we, yeah. yeah. Uh, what you so okay? So I guess so. What do you think of the trailer? I guess. The trailer was okay. It, it, it kind of, again, it teased out what, um, actually wasn't a big fan of him, uh, of Pan on Earth, and then uh, the second world thing, like losing his mother thing. But when they got to I, what I assume is Neverland, or, or whatever land, uh, yeah. um, that was actually pretty neat because it's just Cloud City. 
uh, bunch yeah. of pirate ships, yeah. <laughs> a bunch of pirate ships in the sky, and uh, I enjoyed kind of one of the last lines of the trailer, which is where uh, Hugh Jackman is asking him, "It's like, hey, you know, I think I can't remember what it was, but uh, basically Peter Pan just says, I don't believe in bedtime stories, which is kind of something that is a revolving theme in terms of Tinkerbell and all the other Pixies and kind of just children's things in general, including that one with uh, Gerard Depardieu and uh, and uh, whatchamacallit, Whoopi Goldberg. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, where it's like, you know, hey, imaginary characters, if you don't really believe in them, then, then they're not going to uh, be there anymore. And uh, I'm curious to see if there's a, a huge dramatic element to it that that kind of takes me for a little bit of a uh of a, a stab in my uh my emotions i'm guaranteed they'll try <laughs> um i've always kind of assumed that neverland they're like all aliens because they're like they're in the galaxy somewhere like where what what wormhole did they travel through to get to this place <laughs> where's matthew mcconaughey yeah what, what beings are yeah they're all about time there too. I mean, you know. Well, there's no time there, right? Something well, like that. Well, I mean, there's like, there's the the clocks and everything. whatever. Um, yeah. This trail was all right. Um, I, I, um, in terms of what it's presenting, I'm intrigued by the idea of this. Like, I don't necessarily need to get this kind of origin story for Pam, but at the same time, at least it's something different. With all that in mind, I have really looking forward to watching the NBC Peter Pan Live with Allison Williams and, uh, and Christopher yeah. Walken as book. Mainly because Christopher Walken singing and dancing in the Cat dancing, yeah. yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm all about that, uh, more so than this Pan movie. But, yeah, I do like Joe Wright, and I like the idea of Hugh Jackman playing a very broad, villainous character. I think Hugh Jackman can pretty much do anything, so I'd like to see more of that as opposed to him just being Wolverine all the time. Right. Or just angrily yelling at things, which, again, he's fine in Prisoners, but he's not the greatest thing in Prisoners compared to Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, yeah, kind of bums me out. But it is, you know, we had that run with Hugh Jackman for a while where he was, you know, actually acting in other roles. And he's done that since. Like, I mean, he was nominated for Les Mis. Like, he's, yeah. he's done that. He, you know, he's he's bounced around at real steel. Like, he's bounced around in various roles and whatnot. But it is, you know, it's nice to see him do more <laughs> lately. Um, there's a giant issue <laughs> that I have with this trailer. And it comes down to something we'll get to later on in the news items, but Rooney Mara, I know, is an actress you are a fan of, Abe. Yeah, no, I think that she's actually a really good actress, and uh, I enjoy a lot of her work. Mm-hmm. Wait, you don't? No, I, I have nothing wrong with Rooney Mara. Okay. What I have issue with is, this is a... <laughs> we know in this Peter Pan story, it involves it involves Native American or Indian characters. Right. Yes. We have basically one of the whitest actresses in Hollywood working today playing Tiger <laughs> Lily. Like She is quite it pale. Is, it is not as if there are not other actresses that could fill this role. <laughs> and I I mean if they if you want to call it well we need to get more star power, I don't know how much star power Rooney Mara has. I don't know what well, bra- what banks are break baking breaking because of her being in yeah. movies. No that but, but I mean you have other characters well you have, you have plenty actors. of other characters in this Jackman, movie. Jackman, which yes. is star yeah. power. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the added millions are that now you got Rooney Mara in this picture, but it's Rooney Mara as Tiger Lily. What the hell is going on? Where yeah. We have Rooney Mara playing the head of this like this Indian tribe in the Peter Pan story. It it just it threw me through a loop. It's like why is this a thing? Like Which, yeah, and so you brought it up that we have uh, something that we'll talk about in the news section um, about it. Which, but for this one, I. I you're right that I don't fully understand that particular particular casting choice because, yeah, the star power seems to be there. I think that you could probably have cast someone else. Again, I do enjoy Rooney Mara. I think that she's a very lovely actress, very good-looking woman. But 
yeah, I, Tiger Lily is Native American, and I'm pretty sure if you watch like the the cartoon Peter Pan, and also the the TV series Peter in the mornings on pretty, ABC pretty much World. every version of Peter Pan has always at least tried to adhere to some kind of Native American um, actors to to portray this character and the people involved in you know that are with this character, and even yeah. if that leads to stereotyping of Native Americans, at least they're you know going into that aspect as opposed to as opposed to just completely whitewashing the cast maybe there's a good reason maybe maybe uh maybe the real tiger lily was uh deceased and they had uh, she she became the new one because she was elected by the original tiger lily i don't know let's see here um let's see adele exarchopolis from the blue is the warmest color and lupita nyong'o edition for the role of, of tiger lily really um, wow. Apparently, the casting of Caucasian actress Rooney Mara as the Native American character of Tiger Lily led to an online petition that petition that urged Warner Brothers to stop casting Caucasian actors to play people of color. The casting was accused of whitewashing, and the petition originally hoped for 5,000 signatures. However, more than 20,000 signatures have been supported <laughs> in this accusation. So, I mean, it's, clearly, uh, we're not the first ones to bring something like this up. Yeah. That, that's the kind of thing that's, like, stopping me from embracing this fully, because it's like, well, yeah, why is this thing happening? <laughs> Is it, is it stopping me? Not really, but I do see your point. And again, it is something that <laughs> it's, kind, I, of, if, it's if, kind of unfortunate that this hap- this has happened. It's almost like a oh, it's it's happened quite a few times in movies in the past too. I can't remember like one off the top of my head where it's uh um uh what's his face Ben Affleck in um what's the movie he directed about uh, Afghanistan Argo Argo yeah you know they're saying like hey you know what special agent Tony Mendez is of Latino origin, and Ben Affleck clearly is not Latino. So, uh, and like I can't, I can't. I'm not about to get into kind of the degrees at which this works and which it doesn't. But some, I mean, it just it says there's a there's a character poster that says Rooney Mara is Tiger Lily, and for whatever reason that bothers me a lot more than seeing Christian Bale as Moses. Like it's just like I, I don't understand. It's like that seems so egregious to me. Tiger Lily. Who would you think was Tiger Lily? Rooney Mara, <laughs> Irish pale Rooney Mara. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What Irish?" I was like, "Yes, right, Rooney." Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Pan comes out July seventeenth, two thousand fifteen, and the musical one comes out when? Musical's been on Broadway, but it comes out live on NBC on this coming Thursday, uh, December of the third fourth. So that's trailers. That was a pretty in-depth November review of trailers. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. And we still have plenty more trailers that we'll talk about in coming weeks or whatnot, but yeah. So now I guess we can move on to Out of Quickies. Yeah. Each week and out now, we generally have a movie we talk about. We're not doing that this week, but we always have movies that we have to see during the week, so now we're out Quickies. Yeah. Made that work. Yeah. Um, Abe, have you seen any other any movies this week? Aside from what came out, no, but I did watch John Wick finally, and that had me hooping and hollering in the theater. Because you just really want to see how John Wick slash Keanu Reeves is going to kill all these bad guys. They they ruined his life. And he's the boogeyman, so watch out. That's right. I enjoyed it immensely. I think Good. It's, 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 like, I'm, I'm, I, I know that it's kind of late in the game, but people should go and try and check that movie out. Because it is a lot, a lot of fun. Not in terms of like, hey, by the way, killing people is awesome. It's just more of like... Dude, the way it's so stylish, and it's and the way that they have like this club sequence, it reminded me of that one French film that you recommended to me, where he's trying oh, to find his night. son. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, dude, this is awesome. It's like Sleepless Night um, slash Collateral, where he's just yeah. killing people in in the club, um, just because they pissed him off, and he he swore to never do this again because he was out 
and then you just had to you just had to bring him back. I love when uh, John Leguizamo slugs a dude, and then the the dude's father calls John Leguizamo and says, "Hurt did they hit my son?" He's like, "Yeah, well, you know, he stole." John Wick's car, and he killed his eye. He just hangs up. He just says, oh, <laughs> and he hangs up. And then he calls his son in, makes him drink some vodka, and then just, like, beats him up. He's like, you know who you did this to? John Wick! I, I love like, how random this, this cast awesome. is. Like, John Leguizamo shows up for, like, two scenes. He's, he's pretty good in the Willem movie. Willem Dafoe's around. Uh, what's her name? Adrian Palicki's uh, around. Yeah. Uh, Ian McShane shows up. Like, it's just like, yeah. look how great Ian this Ian McShane is. is awesome in this movie. He's just like, he's he's kind of like the caretaker over at the Continental. And he's just like, hey, like, by the way, these are the rules. I also love how two characters from The Wire are there. Uh, Lance Reddick. Yep, Lance and, Reddick. Uh, <laughs> and I forget the other guy's name, but he he's a, he's another detective in, in The Wire. Yeah. He's the one that makes all the furniture. Um, but yeah, they both show up, and I was like, "Wow, this is awesome!" But no, I really enjoyed John Wick. I think that if you can still see it, please do. Um, again, I was hooping and hollering at least through a couple of scenes. I'm glad that you got to see it finally, and I'm glad that yeah. you really enjoyed it. Um, I saw Horrible Bosses too. Uh, Yay! This is the, the much needed follow up to Horrible Bosses. Um, as I recall, I. I like Horrible Bosses, the first one. I wasn't like huge. I wasn't huge on it. It wasn't my favorite comedy of that year, but like I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it could have been, could have stood to be darker. That was always my kind of. It's like this seems like a really cool premise for a darker comedy, uh, <laughs> and it's just more of like silly fun. And that's what this second one is too. I can't deny that I laughed because uh, I did. I laughed quite a bit. I thought it had some moments of inspired parts, mainly because. I think the trio of of uh, Jason Bateman, Charlie Day, and Jason Sudeikis. I think they their be- their best scenes are them yammering, and I can see how some people don't enjoy that. Like I can see where people get rubbed the wrong way because of that like they like these movies in spite of those bits. But I like them getting into these heated arguments where they're all playing up the the thing that makes up their comedic persona the most. I, I think that that works for me. That makes me laugh a lot. What I could use less of is the bosses. I I think they they're generally the least entertaining part of the movie. And it's funny because, like, the, the whole thing is, like, look how crazy Jennifer Aniston is going against type and swearing and talking about stuff. And it's like, I don't <laughs> Like, whatever. That's fine. <laughs> Christoph Waltz is in this film, and he's just wasted. Like, he doesn't get to do anything. Uh, Chris Pine's the only one, like, trying a lot. And, like, Chris oh, Pine, he's, really? yeah, he's, he's fine, but he's just he's, – he, 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 he does enough to make, like, something. But at the same time, you just kind of see where that's going. And, like, Jamie Foxx is an amped-up role in this movie. And, like, he's funny enough, but it seems like there's more of a... It's more of how the other guys react to him that makes him funny. So, okay. taking all that into consideration, it's like, well, what am I at? What am I getting out of this this second Horrible Bosses movie where the the plot's... Rid- and it's not like I needed a great plot, but, like, the plot's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it's, right. And watching this, it's like, yeah, okay, I'm laughing kind of... But then there's just a lot of stuff I don't care for, and there's a lot of rape jokes, a lot of rape. Yeah, jokes. yeah that kind of that's kind of a, a line there. And like it's, you... the idea is being that like Jennifer Aniston's supposed to be so sexy and hilarious that you don't have to focus on the fact that she's essentially making jokes about how she's going to rape Charlie Day's character someday, and it's like, yeah, I, I kind of do recognize what you're doing there, and I don't like it. So <laughs> Charlie Day didn't like it in the first one either. He no. was he was married, and he's like, yo, I'm married. Yeah, that definitely comes back this time around. <laughs> Would you say that it's almost like The Hangover 2, just in terms of the, it's kind of the same thing, but amped up? Um, 
Not to say that... that no, no I, know, I know what you're asking, because The Hangover 2 is basically a carbon copy of the first Hangover film, which was... And maybe a little bit more, because, you know, the, the joke's are a little bit more, uh, I guess, over the line, a yeah, little bit more... Yeah, it's a little, it's a little more hardcore, but at the same time, the plot is beat for beat the same as The Hangover, <laughs> so... Right. Um, in that respect, I wouldn't say Horrible Bosses 2 is necessarily going that route. At the same time, yes, I think the, the humor is a bit more crude this time around, just because it is a sequel, so it's trying to amp up certain aspects that they thought worked the first time around. Um, at this, What I really wish, though, is just like, why do a se- Like, yeah, brand recognition, whatever you want to call it, but back in the day, it's not like Harold Ramis and Bill Murray made Stripes 2. They made Ghostbusters. Like, you make, you make new movies with the same guys, and... I want that. I want that to come back. That'd want, be interesting. I want. I yeah. want just like get this cat. I don't need all this cast, but get you know Sadiq's Bateman and Day back together, and make a new movie. Do that. Like that. That that's great. I'd like them together. We can do that again with a different idea. But you know that's where we are right now. <laughs> you know, when it comes to studios making new movies. I kind of don't have any questions about Horrorbosses too because I probably don't am not going to see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and again, I I laughed at the first one. I kind of don't want to ruin that. Um, I, I found Charlie Day very funny, especially when he's coked up and he's just singing "That's Not My Name" uh, in the car. Um, but yeah, for the second one, even when I saw the trailer, I didn't really think that I was gonna go out and see the movie because I'm pretty certain that it was gonna be the same thing. Well, yeah, just hearing that it exists made me go like, "All right, I don't know what else we needed from the Horrible Bosses universe that wasn't solved right. the first time around." But or when you have a title just Horrible Bosses Two, I mean. Yeah. I'm not saying the titles really matter, but when you don't really think of anything clever or something like that, it's like, you know, I, I'm not I'm not all that excited for it yet either. Yeah, so Horrible Bosses, whatever. <laughs> um, I watched it once, I laughed a little, and I'm done. Um, what's the other thing? So I, I re-saw a few movies recently. All right. Um, I re-watched, uh, when I, obviously when I saw the Star Wars trailer, I rewatched Interstellar and IMAX again. And here's something that I found interesting. Because it was the exact same sound experience, meaning I didn't really have any issues except with one line. And I realized that it's not the sound that was the problem for me. It was just Michael Caine's accent is too thick, especially when he's dying and blubbering about things. Oh, we're talking about that line? Yeah. Because the the line is – do you even know what the line was that we missed? Uh, If you had to guess, what would you think it would be? Something about – I don't know, but I know the context of it. Well, here's but... why it's hilarious. It's the damn poem he's saying over oh, and over yeah, again. Yeah, he okay. says, don't right. go gently. That's his line. I'm sorry for spoiling Interstellar, but guess what? Michael Caine's old and he eventually dies in Interstellar because they're going because, through time. Because, like, 30 years passes. Yeah, a lot of time passes in the movie. But he says, don't go gently. It's the very thing he repeats so many times throughout the movie. So it's like, right. you know what? I don't feel bad that I missed that line the first time. <laughs> I feel a little silly, actually, because it makes perfect sense of that being the last line that he has. Because he's just reciting the poem, yeah. Yeah. Other okay. than that, I never, I didn't have any problems hearing anything else the first time. I didn't have any problems hearing it the second. If anything, it was probably better this time, just because they knew how to work the projector better, as opposed to the last time when it, when they just kept messing up the first. But you didn't times. get a free movie pass, too. No, no, because no. I didn't care about. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't need to get a free pass <laughs> for a movie I decided to see anyway, just because I was just delayed by a few minutes. So upon revisiting, it was still as good. Um, I this this falls into this Nolan thing of like I just I can watch his movies so easily. Like they don't. They don't feel long. I'm excited by every. I'm never bored by his movies. Like it's, yeah, I, it's easy for me to just sit down. Like I just realized that I was watching it. I was like, I can watch this forever. Like this is, yeah. this is so good. Um, I just love all of this thing. And yeah, it, it's like, it's neat to see it again, knowing that it's you know clear what you what you're going to expect and what you're going to see, and you know makes you recognize her. Like the Matt Damon stuff. 
that bothered me a lot less this time around just because it's probably because you knew that it was coming you i knew it was coming and it wasn't nearly as long as my mind were, made were it you to the be one that pointed out to me that when anne hathaway gets to her other planet that so much time had gone by that her uh, her lover had died. I was gonna tell you that because I feel like I I remembered that being part of the conversation you asked this. Yeah, because at first and, I thought that he had, or I didn't know how much time had passed, but then I remember I think someone was talking to me and basically like because they chose passed. to go to yeah <laughs> yeah because they chose to go to the other planet where Matt Damon is like time had passed and then they well, go by the black because hole. they went by the black hole that's right what, that's and the what, black like, hole kind of creates like a bunch of like time space bend and so when she finally got to the planet. Unfortunately, he had died, but she was there. So, again, it made it more sad knowing that, which is um, that she was right, first of all. And second of all, she has to go and bury this guy, and then she's got to be there while Matt or while Matthew McConaughey kind of travels out to go. and, well, and try. I mean, he won't, he won't yeah. take him that long. So, um, that said, though, if they didn't go to the wrong planet, certain things wouldn't have happened, and they wouldn't happen the right way to begin. That's they, true. That's where yeah. the paradox comes in, Abe. That, yeah, right, yeah. So could he have solved time and space in the fifth dimension if he had not – or if he had traveled to the right planet? So That's, that's where eyes get crossed. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean that reminds me of um, – of, uh, Have you seen it again it? yet or no? I haven't yet, but uh, basically the ending sort of reminds me of uh, Grand Budapest Hotel – which is the second time around I saw it, I found it more – because I was able to, to pay attention to more of the story and more of the lines, um, I found it more uh, more depressing to some degree because, again, basically what you find out is M. Gustav yeah, is I, Yeah, we know dead. Uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yes, it, like he, he gets killed because he stands up for his bellboy again, um, which I didn't, I didn't fully get until the second time around because – Again, I was kind of just paying attention to the visual cues because I love Wes Anderson movies, and he's a very visual director as well. Um, what but yeah, it hit me hard, and I was like, "Oh, that's so." He's lost his wife, and now he's lost his mentor and his like, presumably two of his best friends, and and it's kind of just very, very big bummer. And he's just telling all this story to Jude Law. But yeah, so for Interstellar, I, I'm curious to go back and see it again, just for uh paying more attention to the lines and picking up on the nuances of other of other characters what the and i think you'll appreciate more of what casey affleck brings to that movie by the way but um okay with uh with that said what it reminds what the kind of the paradoxical element reminds me of is um the matrix um when the oracle asks you know don't worry about the vase he knocks it over and he's like i said don't worry about it and he's like all right how'd you know and he's like no but what's going to make your mind boggle later is would i would you still have knocked it over if i didn't tell you anything it's that kind of like whoa wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that oracle always giving candy to the kids i love candy that's my oracle impression i love candy i actually think she she makes baked goods for the kids right she does, cookies but, and but such in reloaded she has candy oh okay all right She's like yeah. i love candy <laughs> that's like me doing eddie murphy doing the oracle i love candy i love candy. No, um, pretty good, let's just keep doing that um i saw another <laughs> couple movies again like i watched we revisiting yeah. i watched yeah i watched 22 jump street again um, it's a solid comedy. Like I can see why we were. I mean, obviously I see why because I, you know, reviewed we it. We both enjoyed it. Yeah, it's just it's it just it does pale to the first one, but at the same time, it's a, certainly a funny movie. Like it's, it's not it does not have jokes in it. Like it right. makes me laugh. It's got some inspired bits. I think the the the, the final fight between Jonah Hill and Jillian Bell's character is hilarious. That kills me. <laughs> the the, uh, the, the make out fight. fight. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah the, the, the fake the fake out are, make out. Are you trying to make out with me? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and I also revisited How to Train Your Dragon 2, 
Mm-hmm. This movie's phenomenal. Like, <laughs> Did you watch that on, uh, on, on Blu-ray? Uh, video? Okay. I watched it on Blu-ray. It looks fantastic. But regardless, yeah. it's just so, like, it just does everything right. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. Like, it's such yeah, an amazing and, sequel. Honestly, uh, I, I would have to say that that movie deserved more than, than what it got. And, again, it was a, it was a loaded summer. Yeah. But that movie was – it was very good. And, again – what you and I both appreciate about it is that they they age the characters. Yeah, they're not the same age. They they've grown five years, um, well, and so is, like it, it, it feels it feel. I mean, you asked about horrible bosses too in comparison to like Hangover two, and this is you know the 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 opposite of that, where it's doing it's growing upon what already was established as opposed to repeating the same thing again. Right. And also, again, it, it, the story arcs have to be different because they're older now, right? So yeah. they can't take on other things. They can't take on other emotions, um, which is amazing. I always enjoy that. So. Yeah, I'm I'm glad that upon repeat viewing, it looks pretty good and still I'm, pretty solid. It's fantastic. I can't wait to watch it a third time. Like it's so like because it, I feel like I almost lost it in the shelf of this because I rec- I recognized how great it was and wrote as such in my written review for it, and we talked about it on the podcast, obviously. But I feel like I got so caught up in the fact that there was a lot. It was a very front loaded summer, so that kind of even for me who was constantly recommending it still got lost in the shelf a little bit probably because we were trying to recommend edge of tomorrow so much as well because it's also equally very good (laughs) and because that movie really did seem like it needed more of an audience to build upon as opposed to how to train your dragon 2 which did well it didn't do gangbusters but it certainly did well um a friend of mine recently just watched edge of tomorrow and she was saying that she enjoyed it immensely and i was like i told you you should have seen it in theaters but with that said, yeah, Dragon 2, it's just so good. It's just like the – it's funny. It's action-packed. It looks amazing. The visuals are spectacular. The score got a lot of great. heart, too. The heart in there, the voice performances from Kate Blanchett, Gerard Butler, and Jay Barish and everybody. Like, it's just such a great movie. Yeah. I, I, I do like the America Ferrara impersonation of Jay Barish. That's a great scene. That's such a fun <laughs> scene. And, I don't know, Dad. <laughs> and, and all of this is coming from me, who I was not – I was, like, fine with the first one, opposed to everyone else who loved that movie. Basically, I was okay you're, you're a monster. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm a monster because I didn't love, no How Dragon, didn't love How to Train Your Dragon. You love How to Train Your Dragon. How to Train Your Dragon 2 was amazing. I, I love it. Yeah. I, it's just a great movie. And like, <laughs> it's I'm at that point where I'm like, I have to start, you know, considering what to put on my top ten list. It's like, oh, uh, yeah, how am I going to fit I, some I, of these I, movies I, on here? Like, I know. There, those are like three that are not going to move. But oh, yeah, yeah there, there's like I have a good four that I know aren't going to go anywhere. But right. it, probably, probably five or six. I mean. Five or six. Whoa. There's a, there's a good – yeah. I mean even this December, like there's only so much stuff coming out that I think is actually going to you know, have a chance of displacing anything. But right. I don't know. Like it's because you know, Hobbit's not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm seeing Into the Woods tomorrow. I don't think I'm going to do anything more. I don't think that's going to do it. But I, I'm curious to see what American Sniper is going to bring uh, as December rolls around. So. Yeah. But I mean we, uh, we we know what Clint Eastwood's track record has been. I know. Like, it's been lately. And, and, and as effective as two minutes is in a trailer, two hours of this movie – We'll see. We'll see. I hope it's great. I hope it's a good thing. But yeah. I, you know, I've seen some early reviews from people that we know, Uh-oh. and it's you know, it's it 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 doesn't look like it's you know changed any any uh any minds any, any minds. Um, not that it's a bad thing, or it could even some even say it's the best thing he's done in years. But at the same time, how high does that level really go? So we'll we'll see. Yeah. But you okay. know, I'm optimistic. I will, I want to see the damn movie. So I'm optimistic know. too. Yep. And I, I I've seen the trailer a couple times in theaters with audiences, and the audiences have kind of been on the edge of the seat and kind of gasped. But yeah, uh, I I know what his track record is. He did have uh, what's it? What should we call it? The four seasons out this year, Jersey Boys. Yeah. And um, we were both kind of just I don't know I don't know if we were mediocre on that. I think we were kind of low on it. So yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, so let's. Uh, that was on our quickies. That was T- TM. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
Let's uh, let's move into some other stuff here. So since we don't have a main film review for the week, we decided we're gonna do we're gonna cover some news items, some yeah. hot news items, and um, we'd be happy to you know hear your guys' reactions as well on the on the the, the uh, email out at podcastdmo.com. You know, let us know what you think of this this kind of the way we handle the news stuff here because we don't yeah. often cover movie news. Um, we don't, yeah, we don't really cover it. Usually we cover it in the intros and then we move into uh, yeah, or we movie bring or we bring it up like in relation to the movie we're talking about right. for the week or whatnot. So. But yeah, I mean this is kind of a, a different thing, but um, yeah, let's just jump right into it. Um, so here's the first thing we have up, uh, and I brought this up kind of with the pan um, trailer talk, but um, we, we, we uh, Exodus is coming out. Exodus, Gods and Kings is coming out. Um, there's been a lot of talk about the fact that Christian Bale and Joel Edgerton are playing Moses and Ramses, who are decidedly not Egyptian. The same goes for Sigourney right. Weaver, who's in the film, and a number of other characters who are all not Egyptian. Um and so Ridley Scott was he was asked this week because obviously he's doing junkets for the film and he was asked this week about the whitewashing that was done, and his response and I have a quote here I'm going to read it he says I can't mount a film on this budget while I have to rely on tax rebates in Spain and say that my lead actor is Mohammed so and so from such and such I'm just not going to get financed so the question doesn't even come up now that's a very curt response to a question mm-hmm. and yeah I can't exactly. Here's what I'm gonna say because this 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 issue it it doesn't it doesn't hugely bother me and I have reasons why but in regards to what Ridley Scott's saying and I can I can I can't you know completely speak for another person but at the same time I get why he would answer a question this way when right. you're doing a junket and you're probably being asked this again and again and again and you've probably dealt with this on your own time I can see why not having the most personalized wonderful answer to settle all debates right away off the top of your head is going to come out of your mouth right <laughs> and. Ridley Scott, he has been in the business. He is seventy. He is pushing eighty. He has been in the business for a long time, and he's made a lot of is very. Is he really pushing eighty? He's wow. getting there. He's like wow. seventy something. He's seventy something. High seventies. Yeah. He is an older director, and he is and he, he he has done a lot of very big films. So I can understand that he knows a lot more about making these kind of movies on this kind of scale than anybody ever will. And so if he <laughs> this says is that, probably true. And if he says that. He needs a certain kind of budget, and he can't do that <laughs> by having random actors just to make a point, you know, kind of a Hollywood statement. Right. I can get behind that. At the same time, he is a person of certain clout where he probably could enact some sort of change. Um, so it's a tricky yeah. it's a tricky ground to watch, Abe. Yeah, so you're right that it's kind of a catch-22. And when I read this article, because you sent it my way, um, I understood it, but at the same time, I also thought – well, basically just what you thought, which is, well, you're Ridley Scott, and I'm pretty sure that you could have found somebody uh, who may be an up-and-comer or someone who's established that people do know of and and put it on your movie and, and probably still have it do pretty well. Um, what I do understand is the whole entire notion of, hey, by the way, I really want to get this movie done, and I want people to see it. Therefore, I want or I, I may need some large-name A-list actors. But at the same time... Uh, you have I'm trying to think of like some folks like like the captain in in Star Trek in the beginning I can't remember his name but he's been in uh, some films you know or whatever else right oh you, Bruce Greenwood yeah for the yeah the yeah, start. yeah okay. you could find some people that that may be uh, a little bit more of uh, uh, of the the heritage or the culture and probably bring them in and that's kind of like that's because I can see that too like if you have like no not no names but you have actors that fit the you know the role better for moses and ramses and have maybe bigger actors for the supporting characters i could see that's like a that seems like a a balance that makes a lot of sense to me right and this isn't this is an issue that's been coming up 
quite a bit. And we, again, we talked about Fargo earlier, but this is not just for like American movies or this is not just for like uh, uh, Egyptian characters and whatever else. This also happens for Asian movies and Asian characters like in uh, um, uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. The Japanese community was quite upset that you have a Chinese actress playing a Japanese uh, character in a Japanese book. You had uh, Zhang Zizi playing the, the lead in Memoirs of a Geisha, and uh, the Japanese community was like, you know, there are a lot of Japanese actresses out there that people know about. I think that you guys should reconsider, and they ultimately did not. I don't know how well that movie did. I don't think it really did that well overall, but... It did pretty well. Okay. It was nominated. It got an Oscar nomination. It did pretty well. Best music? Uh, it did have a best score now because it has John Williams, so, you know. But, um, it, but I mean, yeah, again, this... Cinematography. This, yeah. this, um, this problem persists throughout the the film genre like every type of film with regard to any body uh, on film yeah and it, like and by the way i i'm aware that abe and i are not like not everyone can have have the best conversations about these things and really address the topics in the most in-depth way possible we're doing our best here and if yeah, you have if you to, have to play a political game too we don't want to like really just like call anybody out or anything like that but but with that said, if you guys have thoughts on this, feel free to email us. We'd love to hear. Face. We'd love to hear back. We'd love to be able to address these topics more because it, it is it is fascinating to me to see this kind of play out and see how things change or don't change. Um, but with that in mind, again, for whatever reason, like and like I, I got to see like a footage preview of, of Exodus a couple months back, mm-hmm. and you know beforehand it wasn't bothering me too much that it was you know Christian Bale was Moses and whatever, but seeing like a scene with Christian Bale, Sigourney Weaver, and Joel Edgerton. Like all in the same place, all being very white, and like talking about you know the, the slaves of Israel and what, and, right. and or about Egypt, uh, the Israelites. Uh, eventually, um, it's it did become a little irksome. It's like this is quite this is kind of a thing, guys. <laughs> this, is like, <laughs> this is a little weird now that I think about this. And the Sigourney Weaver thing really throws me off too because uh, she clearly does not look. They they really didn't give any attempt to make her look a little bit more Middle Eastern slash Egyptian North African. Um, and it's so, like, and like, I guess the argument is, well, like, Ten Commandments didn't do it, but Ten Commandments came before the Civil Rights Movement. I mean, no one's going to question that back then. I mean, it's a little different now, <laughs> where we have a variety of actors of right. all different yeah. ethnicities and races and everything that probably could have easily auditioned for these roles. Like, we talked about this movie, even like Star Trek uh, Into the Darkness with Benedict Cumberbatch playing Khan. He's supposed to be, yeah. It's um, like the character is originally supposed to be, what, Indian? Indian and it was played, right. then it was played by Ricardo Montalban, and now he's turned into a, a British <laughs> a British, a white, British pale, a white British guy. A white British guy. As Scott Mendelson likes to put it, because clearly there was no <laughs> Hispanic act. Clearly, like, Oscar Isaac did not wear um, Edgar Ramirez, obviously turned down the role like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, we have nowhere really to go with this, but in regards to kind of Ridley Scott's claims on this, I can defend, I can, I can, I can try to defend the way he put his quote. I can see where that comes from. It's harder, it's harder to defend the eventual choices that were made, but at the same time, we just don't know. Maybe he fought really hard to try and get certain leads in right. certain roles, yeah. and just he couldn't get past the studios in order to get two hundred million dollars to make a movie about the Ten Commandments. Like I don't know, I don't know that answer, and we likely won't know for a long time. Um, so we probably would never know because again, there's a lot of struggle with even even some of the larger guys, probably like Steven Spielberg or maybe even the Tom Cruise type. They probably still have problems that they have to run through with the execs in terms of just getting some stuff green lit. Yeah. So it's not as though it's a uh, something that. Even though we perceive it a certain way, I'm pretty sure that people have thought about it because it's something that has been recurring, and it's not something that is going to really go away. But 
as we become a little bit more universal in terms of the actors that that are cast in films and uh, the way that movies are basically screened in the U.S. because we take a lot of we have a lot of um, uh, imports now and we we do play those on the big screen and um, basically everything's just becoming a little bit more interconnected. So I'd be curious to see how the next five years might even shape up uh, with regard to the casting of of uh, particular uh, folks in movies. Yeah, like it's easy to be a nerd on the internet and just complain about things all the time. War knows I've seen plenty of that. I've seen plenty of that for Star Wars trailer, a, a freaking yeah. teaser trailer, no less. Like, oh my god, lightsabers. Um, but at the same, <laughs> yeah. but it's it's hard to re, you. Re, it it takes a lot to make a movie, let alone a movie of this scale. And so it's it's it it become, when you when you really factor some of that into the conversation, it becomes harder to really have an understanding of what's being gone done to like make something work on the big screen for audiences around the world. So it's really it makes it harder for me to really try to complain about something when I just I don't know all the details. I don't know everything about this. And yeah, that it'd be nice for other people to kind of recognize it every now and then as well. Again, it's not that I'm speaking against the idea of like this needed to be whitewashed, but at the same time there's so much more that probably goes into this that I just can't comprehend from where yeah. I sit versus where the director of these things sits. That but then, makes... you, like, uh, just to play, just to be on the flip side of that, people were up in a storm when uh, when Sue and Johnny Storm were cast, which has Michael B. Jordan and I forget the other actress, but yeah, uh, uh, Kate Mara, Kate Mara, <laughs> Rooney's sister, Rooney's sister, <laughs> right? So you have a black actor and a white actress. As brother and sister, and people are like, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, well, you, I don't know. I mean, we're in the 21st century now. Like, anybody can play anybody. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, we'll see. I'm excited to see something from that movie finally so we can have some more to talk about the Fantastic Four, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, for the record, Ridley Scott. For, for the record, though, uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. Um, it did terrible in terms of reviews. It got like a 35% on Rotten okay. Tomatoes. It made $162 million worldwide on an $85 million budget, so barely broke even. Not, yeah, nice. Uh, and it, it did win three Academy Awards for uh, cinematography, uh, art direction, and... Costume design? Probably costume design. Yes, costume design. Good call. There you yeah. go. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, good segue into more Ridley Scott stuff. The other news article that we have coming up is... That Ridley Scott will not be directing Blade Runner 2, which is set to shoot, begin shooting in 2015. Uh, instead, they're going to find someone else uh, because Ridley Scott probably has been, uh, he's got a lot on his plate. Yeah. Right. And maybe, just maybe, he doesn't want to direct a movie which he doesn't, maybe he never really planned for it. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of the fans might be clamoring for more Harrison Ford and more Deckard, but at the same time, if you never really planned on making a second sequel or something like that you know if your creative juices aren't flowing for this next movie did you want to direct it anyway kind of thing so well, that's uh, the i think it's more of like a it's like like tarantino used to like to talk a lot like he used to talk about doing like a vega brothers movie where it'd have john john travolta and mike michael madsen in like yeah. a prequel before pulp fiction reservoir dogs where their characters because they're brothers like like he used to talk like things like that and like he talked a long time about the world war ii movie he was going to do and then he eventually made it but it's you know it's easy to and like Guillermo del Toro has you know eighty seven things on his film like he just to, to direct that he hasn't done it all yet. Yeah. I mean there's it's easy to talk about stuff and I'm glad there's journalists out there that you know apparently record every word that these people are saying, but at the same time they're not politicians. I don't need to like trust them to make the things that they're going to say at the time. People just get excited about things sometimes. And right. yeah, when he was making Prometheus, he was clearly very excited about being back in sci-fi and he working with 3D and doing cool stuff. And now. That he's you know he's got Prometheus two in the in the in the books he's making this movie The Martian next with Matt Damon 
right? Based off the book, The Martian. Um, like he's got things going on. Also, he's quite old. Um, so it's, you know, <laughs> you can't do everything he wants to do. And, you know, it's fun to talk about stuff, but sometimes you just can't get there. So, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, again, it's a, it's one of those situations where we both love Terminator and Terminator 2. And the other sequel is maybe not so much. But is James, do we really want James Cameron to come back and direct another Terminator so we can feel better about it as a fan, as no. a moviegoer? No. no, not necessarily. If he wants to do it, great. I'm all for it. But I'm not going to be. I'm not going to have this online petition that says, "Hey, James Cameron should come back and direct another Terminator because he's the best at it." I'm not going to do that because James Cameron has tons of stuff that he's doing, and not only that, but do you really want him to be pressured into making a movie that he didn't really want to make? Again, I don't want to be. I don't want to give get the B stuff. I want to get ASAP where he's really excited to make something. And it's funny and, we're saying this as he's like making three more Avatar yeah, movies, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, which which I hope he's really into. Which we'll I think we'll, we'll get to that get too. To. Yeah. That's actually next. But um, <laughs> with the same, with that in mind, I mean, there's a lot of area to explore in those Avatar movies, and I feel like four Terminators, we kind of got the idea of what's going on in this universe. And right. It's largely depressing. <laughs> so, with it's like Blade, everyone keeps dying. Blade Runner is kind of the same way. Where I Blade Runner is a favorite movie of mine. I love Blade Runner. I don't know if I and it's even a universe that could benefit from probably more exploring. I just don't know if I really need to see that movie, and so it becomes a tricky thing. It's like, well, yeah, there there could be another Blade Runner, but at the same time, I got the one Blade Runner movie, and I'm pretty content with that. I'm, I'm pretty content with it too. And even on repeat viewing, they've they've had a couple a couple of uh, re-releases where it's like. I forget what. Well, it created the director's cut, that movie. The, like, when Ridley's got released the first director's cut in 92, that was, like, the first time they had, like, an, a kind of official release of something of that nature. That's not entirely accurate, but in terms of kind of making a big deal about a director having a director's cut of something, Ridley Scott was a big pioneer in that nature. And then, yeah, then they had a further, the the final cut. Yeah, the final uh, cut. Back in, like, like uh, late 2000s. Basically, these cool names for re-releases of, you know, digital copies and then a little bit more content plus maybe some some uh, revised uh, commentary um but i enjoy that movie in for what it is and for the questions that it does leave that does leave lingering but do i really need to have another blade runner just to find out whether deckard is a is a i forget what they're called a replicant a replicant not necessarily, and you know, do I really need to see more of the world? The world was actually pretty well done in the first one. Well, there's, the, I mean, it's still happening though. That's the thing. We are going to get a Blade Runner two, apparently. <laughs> it's just, yeah, not, yeah. It's just Scott's not directing it. Um, and with that in mind, the question now becomes: Do you want to see a Blade Runner movie that's not directed by Ridley Scott? Kinda. I don't know. Like, I I don't know. It's more I, of it's happening, so I'll see it. But if if like. Well, if Here's I did, a question. Yeah. How much more can you explore? How much more do you want to explore in that world? I don't know how much more I want to explore just because I don't know what else I can explore. But at the same time, it's a really cool universe. But you can say that a lot about things. So, I mean, it's – I don't know. Like, I mean, The Abyss was a cool universe too. I'd like to see more of that. But do, do I think I've seen enough? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's – yeah. But, anyway. yeah, I mean, I'm certainly going to see Blade Runner 2. Like, I'm not not going to see that movie but at the same time. <laughs> It, it, I, I'm not going to be pouting in my chair when I'm seeing it, but at the same time, I I, I can say I'm less excited now because Ridley Scott is not directing it. Yeah, like whatever that excitement was, it's lessened for that reason. Fair point. All right, well, let's move on. Let's get to the next thing. Uh, it's about James Cameron. James Cameron's working on all these Avatar movies, um, and he's basically said he has a quote out. This is a good one. It says, "I can tell you one thing about them: they're going to be bitching. You will shit yourself with your mouth wide open." Classy guy that James Cameron is always. 
Um, so he's basically promising some good. And I mean, this is the, another kind of quote you can have to defend in a sense. Like, well, what is he going to say? They're going to be okay. Like, no one's going to say that. Like, he wants to get you excited for another Avatar movie, let alone three of them. And so, yeah, he's doing that. He's, he says this. I was at the, um, the, uh, the, the Hero Complex Film Festival back in uh, May. That's where I saw How to Train Your Dragon 2, actually. And they had an interview because they, they're doing Alien and Aliens. And James Cameron came in to do an interview for Aliens. And he talked about his writing process for, like, the first time involving Avatar. And that, that involves basically he has, like, three separate groups because there's three sequels being made. And, like, the first one, Avatar 2, is being written by Rick Joffa and Amanda Silver. They're, they made the, uh, the Planet of the Apes films. Uh, they wrote the both, both of them. They wrote Rise and Dawn. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. No, and good, that's a good duo then. And then he has he's working with this person, Josh Friedman for the third for three, and uh, Shane Salerno for the fourth one. So basically, he has this huge kind of he has like three separate groups of writers, and then he's interacting with all of them. But they've all worked together, so they have like an overarching arc for where this will eventually lead to. But at the same time, they're working on the individual. It's this it's this interesting. I mean, for movies that I assume are you know some of the biggest movies ever going to be made at this time he's got an interesting process going down for him and so that's intriguing i hope that works at the same time i don't have i i I don't dislike any james cameron movies so i don't really have much you know to like i would agree with you there i I don't have any reason to think that these aren't going to be amazing like honestly that's there's no i mean there's there's very little hyperbole there i love james cameron movies he makes movies that i really enjoy i am a big fan of avatar i'm a big fan of titanic you can despite so you can spite titanic all you want to but you know what it was the biggest movie ever made at the time and it won 11 oscars and there's a lot of people out there that think better of it than you do so there you go um, and then there's also those other you. movies i mean yeah. there's there's the damn terminator there's, exactly there's, yeah, True yeah, Lies. There's, terminator. there's the abyss there's I'm, the abyss exactly he's made all these aliens. movies that you have basically a ton of confidence in right yeah and you've seen them he's delivered they're fun they're witty they're smart they're action-packed and when he says this quote you can take it two ways one of them is yeah sure whatever james you can keep blowing every movie and i'm just wait until the final product comes out but with his track record you're like i am really excited to see what you're going to bring to the table because if you do do something amazing which you very well possibly could i will not be surprised at all and i will maybe end up my pants he's like one of the few people that really can like he know like he has the lever that says bar on it and he can raise that like it's just crazy <laughs> <laughs> that's possible <laughs> he's, he's physically sitting next to that right now he also talks about like the frame rate um he was saying that because apparently peter jackson's 48 frames wasn't enough he was like i'm gonna do 60 frames and apparently he's not doing that he's gonna do 48 frames so it is gonna be back in that kind of that current these current hobbit scheme of things but at the same time I feel like he's the kind of guy that knows how to make that work, so I'm kind of excited to see what that will look like as well. As much as I've been against the kind of Hobbit um, 48 frames per second thing, I kind of want to see what an Avatar 2 would look like. Watched, you watched in 48 frames per second? I've seen both of them in 48 frames per second. Okay. Gotcha. And Begrudgingly. kind of like okay with it, right? No, I was not a fan oh, of it. Okay, I don't right. prefer okay. to see it. It's a, it's, a, it's a thing of I want to see these movies on the biggest screen possible. The only way I can do that is by sitting through the 48 frames per second. <laughs> so I have to. <laughs> so it's like, it's this like, it's this horrible, like, this is my nightmare, essentially. <laughs> this is my nightmare. For being punished for wanting to see things the right way, the old-fashioned way, in a big screen. I'm excited to see what's going to happen. When he's, when he announced that he's going to be three of them, I was kind of yeah, I think, yeah back a little bit, just because that's a lot, that's an, that's an ambitious goal to set for yourself. Um, not necessarily because the fans want or don't want it, but just because 
again, these three moves are quite taxing, and not only that, but you're making these epics, right? Yeah. So it's going to be something where um, you have to keep the the storyline going, the momentum going, for people to continue to want to watch them. It's not it, it's not based on any original, or it's not based on any previous product. You're kind of doing this originally, so I'm curious to see how he's going to develop the story with it, what the problem is going to be, whether we're going to get more more um, Giovanni Rubisi with his uh, wanting, I forget what the, the element is. Unobtainium. Uh, unobtainium. <laughs> unobtainium. Wow. Yeah, I can't believe I forgot about that. But, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, you had this pretty cool movie back in, I forget what now, what, what 2009. year? 2009. 2009. Yeah. And... If you can deliver, amazing. Again, I personally have a lot of faith in James Cameron, so I have no problem with it. He and his former wife are like two of the best directors ever. Yeah, I mean, it's, I yeah, I have no reason not to look forward to these Avatar sequels. I loved Avatar. I love I love James Cameron, so why not? Right. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah. And he has. I mean, it's not just him writing at this time, and because you have what was essentially an origin story out of the way, you can explore some probably very interesting ideas for the follow-up. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Time travel. Time travel. Time travel, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, moving into our next story here, we've got this new Harry Potter script. It's Harry Potter World script from J.K. Rowling. It's Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And it's going to be directed by David Yates. And they're excited because it's still in the realm of Harry Potter. It's not really necessarily along the same storylines of him trying to Harry trying to, you know, overcome, uh, what's his face? Oh my gosh, can't believe Voldemort? I'm playing. Voldemort. I don't, I don't read these books, defeated. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Voldemort's been defeated, but again, they're not really moving into that direction. They're moving into the world of Harry Potter, which I think is a very smart move. And that's not because, um, you know, you have, you want to take your fans out of it, but because you want to engross them in more things that, that revolve around Harry Potter but also the world, the wizarding world of Harry Potter, which I think uh, allows you to play play on more things. So uh, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with this movie. It's, it's uh, David Yates. I, I think that he did a confident job. I still he, I he still directed, enjoy. He directed the last four Harry Potter. movies. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he did the last four, including including part seven or book seven, part one, which is one of my second favorite, next to. Uh, Book three, Prisoner of Azkaban, which was directed by... Alfonso Cuaron. Alfonso Cuaron, thank you very much. Yeah, I think that he did a fantastic job. Uh, and I hope, I kind of wish that they had continued with uh, his uh, his uh, his hand at the shit there. But anyhow, um, yeah, so this is going to be a continuation of the his, Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it's a good move, but I am also kind of curious as to how they can keep up with, uh, with what they can do with it i suppose um whether this can be things that they can make into television series or like a netflix original series or something like that as well as just on-screen productions you know what i mean like it feels as though with your with the expansion of the universe you could probably do a lot of other things like the aurors like the a-u-r-o-r you know the aurors which protect the wizards against uh bad folks um or other things within the wizarding world itself so i'm curious to see how this movie is going to pan out um, and then how the universe will ex- will leapfrog from that? Yeah, I, I honestly I, I have no real opinion on this just because I, I I enjoyed the Harry Potter franchise, but I never read the books. I was never deeply attached to it beyond just wanting to see where it would all go. Uh, mm-hmm. But that said, like I like Deathly Hallows Part One is my favorite of that series. 
Um, I think whatever they have going for them in terms of making all, you know, making a, an eight film franchise work, if they can get that to, you know, work for this thing, then that's equals a good movie in my eyes. I mean, it, uh, it's, it's still set in a universe that people all clearly love. And I mean, if it works out, it works out. I hope it's an intriguing story. I'm excited to see what that would be. I, again, I really like that. I really, I, I mean, I like these movies overall. I just, I don't dislike any of them. I like some more than others. But I did like the I I like those that last set of films and I really like part one and Death Part Two is a fun one as well in terms of like hey look at this great crazy battle that's happening. <laughs> uh, so but, but in terms of like David Yates' confidence as a director, I have confidence in him based on what I've seen. So yeah, I mean I, I have nowhere else to go on this besides yeah sure okay let's see what happens. Yeah, I'm kind of there too. I'm kind of just on board to see what's happening because I do enjoy the world. I I am signed up for Pottermore, which is the online portal where you can read the books and also like you know postscripts and whatever else that. J.K. Rowling uh, puts out. But, yeah, I, I enjoyed this world immensely. And going back to it is something that I probably uh, would enjoy. And I should probably pick up the book. I think she actually wrote this book so you can read it again. It's actually one of the textbooks that the kids read at, when they're at Hogwarts, um, which she's just kind of adapted to be its own book, uh, which will now become a film. Okay. All right, let's move on to the next thing here. We have the Independent Spirit Award noms. Um, I wanted to bring this up just because I like the Independent Spirit Awards. It's, mm-hmm. you know, an award show for movies that are basically among the best of the year, as opposed to something like the Golden Globes, which is like, what famous people can we get to come to our award show? This and is drink. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> this is something that's like, hey, let's recognize these really smaller, these smaller films that, you know, not a ton of people have been able to see, but are still, you know, kick ass. And with that, we got a few here that I'm really happy to see get nominated. Birdman led the pack. It's got like six nominations. Mm-hmm. Um, I also see a lot of love for Boyhood. Uh, yeah. Nightcrawler uh, for Selma, which I'm really looking forward to. That's one of the ones where I'm like, this might be able to crack my top ten here. Um, and I don't uh, that much about Selma. Selma's the Martin Luther King. No, that's film Martin Luther King. Yeah. Yeah. David, David Oyelowo. Yeah. Yeah, and that's one that I've been looking forward to ever since it was announced. So I'm really excited to see that. Um, with all that in mind, uh, Love, and Sh- Love is Strange also got a number of nominations. I brought that up a number of times on this podcast with Alfred Molina and John Lithgow. Uh, John Lithgow's had a good year, by the way. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> good couple years i would say i keep seeing him pop up and things i'm like yay (laughs) um but uh yeah there's there's a there's a few cool nominations here that i was a fan of i mean i like seeing uh, dan gilroy get respect for his nightcrawler screenplay i like seeing only lovers left alive uh, i saw that too and i was like hey maybe i should go watch it and i i think you you enjoyed obvious child right obviously i like obvious i don't love it as much as like it has like i think like a 90 something percent of rotten tomatoes i'm like that's fine because yeah. <laughs> i saw jenny slate nominated and i was like oh well that's, that's a good thing i mean it's good that her movie that she did she actually write that movie too co-write she, she starred in the there was a short it was based off a short film that she also starred in she was certainly uh-huh. she's certainly friends with the director and everything and like she was heavily involved in the process she didn't she didn't write it okay um, but gotcha. she's you know heavily involved in you know the making of it Okay. Uh, but yeah, I mean, good for her. I mean, no, she's not bad in the movie. Like, I think she's very good in the movie, actually. And I, I just think the movie's okay overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but what else? I saw, what, what was it? Uh, best Editing for The Guest. That was a nomination. And I really like The Guest. And I think that's a great <laughs> thing to highlight in that movie. Cause that's it one is. where it's, uh, who's it directed by again? Uh, uh, Adam Wingard, who did the, um, the uh, You're Next. Yeah. Uh, but did. it has, a, it has a, what's his name? Dan Stevens from uh, Downtown Abbey, as we like to call it. Um, <laughs> I used to call it that all the time. Nobody's uh, ever corrected me on that. But, uh, I mean, just seeing a nomination for The Guest made me smile because that's a really good movie. That'd be a good one to double feature with John Wick, by the way. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I saw, oh, Dear White People got a screenplay nomination, which our best first screenplay nomination, which I was very happy to see. Um, actually, they got a. 
What else do you get? That's all I got. But still, that was cool to see. I mean, just a number of nominated. In Boyhood, obviously. Abe Boyhood, and I yeah. Boyhood. So that's and probably not going to move for my top three spot. Maybe even the top two spot. I have to double check my, my list uh, in my back pocket here. But You really yeah. love Dorothy of Oz, I know. So. I Everyone loves James Frank. Oh, wait, Dorothy of Oz? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, Oz great and powerful. <laughs> uh, everyone dear, loves James Franco. Best best first feature, that's Dear White People, is also nominated. But that's what I was trying to think of. There's, so, yeah, two. <laughs> um, there's also this thing called the John Cassavetes Award, which is basically kind of an award acknowledging kind of, not experimental, but kind of a different kind of feel for film and whatnot. And Blue Ruin's in that nomination list. Blue Ruin. Blue Ruin I, is... I saw that. Yeah, it is a really, really solid revenge film. I know it's like one of Brandon Peters, friend of the show, Brandon Peters, one of his favorite movies of the year. Movie that I certainly really like as well. Um, that'll be most definitely at least in my honorable mentions is coming in top ten. Um, but that's a really solid one for people to check out. I believe it's streaming on Netflix right now, actually, too. Oh, really? Okay. So yeah. it's actually some place where you can probably you check can it out. Easily catch that. Anyway, a lot of Whiplash nominations. So I forgot to mention that Whiplash got a lot of nominations. So. We're big fans of Whiplash, by yeah. the way. So if you haven't seen it. Listen to the review and go see the movie. Yeah, so that's the uh, Independent Spirit Award noms, and I believe that show or that um, that airs uh, uh, the twenty first is when it is actually held. Yeah, yeah, the fe- Feb sorry, twenty February twenty first <laughs> yeah, comes like very, very comes very close to the Oscars. Yeah. All right, so moving into the next news article, uh, Independence Four. Independence Day. <laughs> yeah. Independence Day Part 2 has been greenlit, and uh, they're just waiting on Roland Emmerich to probably sign on the dotted line to say that he's going to direct it. However, the caveat is Will Smith will probably not be back for this. Um, I have heard previously that Jeff Goldblum is probably on board with it as well. With the Will Smith thing, I've heard a couple of different things. I mean, like, they were trying to get him back, so they I think you told me this. They had two scripts written out, one with Will Smith and yeah. one without. Um, so with that being said... Well, I'm excited for it because I, I enjoyed Independence Day quite a bit. Uh, I still think that's one of the best presidential speeches in movie history with uh, Bill Bill Pullman. Yeah. Uh, I think he's a really good president too. He's a really good on-screen president. Um, am I excited for it? Kinda, but at the same time, what are they gonna do with it? Because it wasn't as though it was Men in Black kind of fun. It was fun, but it was more of like let's save the day kind of thing. Whereas Men in Black fun, which is Hey, there's like other universes that we can explore, kind of thing, and a lot of uh, a lot of more comical elements yeah. that we can do to it. So I don't know how they're gonna play this one, but I'd be curious to see what they're gonna do. There's a there's a real lightning in a bottle factor for Independence Day, where it's just like you know what, a classic space alien invasion flick mixed with the latest and greatest in special effects, similar to Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Make it work. Have a charismatic cast. Let's do it, and it worked. It was a great. I love Independence Day. I watch it all. The, I watch it every year. It's a, it's a really fun movie. I acknowledge it, various flaws and quotation marks you want to highlight, but at the same time, it's just a super fun movie. It has a lot of cool stuff going on in terms of the visuals. Will Smith and Jeff Goldblum as a comedic team. Great. Right. I, I love that. What can a sequel do? Aliens come back or we fight the aliens? I don't know. Either way, something Yeah, are there. we going to go to their planet kind of thing? You know, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, I, I, I don't know where this goes exactly that makes me want to say yes to this. At the same time... I mean, if uh, what's Roland Emmerich, he makes movies I tend to have fun with. Like he, I, I don't out and out hate any of his movies. What was the movie where there was a flying limo? Was that a flying limo? Day, day after tomorrow. Oh, d- oh this two, uh, 2012. Well, it wasn't flying. It was John, just, Cusack, John Cusack right? was a great yeah. limo driver, and he was jo- <laughs> he was driving away from the world ending, and it was amazing. <laughs> I really like 2012. That's a fun, fun movie. <laughs> it fits that same kind of realm. The effects aren't nearly as good as Independence Day for certain reasons. 
mainly because all the great stuff is marred by some decidedly very weak stuff. <laughs> Same thing happens with White House Down, by the way. Like, whatever visual effects team he's I, I using. White House Down was the other one with Jamie Foxx, is the one with... Uh... It was Jamie Foxx. Jamie okay, Foxx and Channing What's the Jane other Jane. one called? Olympus Has Fallen. Olympus Has That's Fallen. That's Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler, okay. Yeah. That's Anton Fuqua. Uh, gotcha. Of the, of the Equalizer. Um, and Training Day. And Training Day, yeah. right. But mainly, and Tears of the Sun. And Tears of the Sun. <laughs> and Bait with Jamie Foxx. Boom. Did uh, he do that? Yes, he did. It took the bait. I mean, but, yeah, Emmerich, I mean, for the most part, he makes entertaining movies. Uh, I would agree that he does make quite entertaining movies. I, I, although I didn't watch the one where, where the Shakespeare one with Al Pacino. Um, that wasn't with Al Pacino, but yeah. Uh, um, oh, it wasn't with Al Pacino? No. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you might be thinking of Merchant of Venice. Uh, yes, yeah, so other than But uh, it's, uh, it starts with an A. Uh, anonymous anonymous thank you yeah which uh, i didn't watch but you're right, they, uh, some people really like it i think it's pretty boring honestly <laughs> that's really the only <laughs> word i could use to describe it like yeah you're a snakes you're a snob no i'm not i just didn't really appreciate the movie <laughs> but yeah but yeah i i i'm curious to see what they get what they can do with it and if it becomes something that is uh i don't know i'm probably gonna see it regardless I, i'm gonna take that back so i'm probably gonna see it regardless i was gonna say like maybe if they do something cool i'll go see it or well, yeah that's the thing it's like, not we're not gonna, gonna see, go it. see we're, it we're not gonna not see independence day too but yeah it's a matter yeah. of how excited are you for independence day too and at this at this point where we don't know much about it i can't say like i'm super thrilled um if will smith was on board i'd probably be a little more thrilled i can say that but um I don't I don't know what the thing is to do to make this work in the same way that a, a, for the first Independence Day worked. And at something like like Avatar, I see a lot of potential in what to do with exploring space or exploring more of Pandora or whatnot. With Avatar or with Independence Day two, it's like there's more aliens? <laughs> like, what was Australia doing? Like, right. what, like, what else is there? The president of Australia wants to give us a message? Prime Minister. Uh, oh, the Prime Minister. A giant boot. Yeah. In the Simpsons. So, uh, with all that, let's move on, I guess. All right. Let's go to the next thing here. Um, this, this, lead, this leads to a broader topic, but we have a Selfie, a show that was on ABC, um, this is, and that's another fun topic in itself. The titles of these ABC shows that are, for whatever reason, not being appreciated. Uh, but Selfie uh, was canceled. This is the show with uh, Karen Gillum from Doctor Who fame and John Cho of Harold and Kumar fame, among other things, of course, uh, mm-hmm. as well as Sleepy Hollow. Uh, Hollow yeah. Uh, the show, the rest of the episodes are going to air on um, on Hulu. And why this is important, or not important, but why this is significant is that, obviously, television and the online coverage of it is right. changing. The scape is changing. So we have something like Selfie having the line, like other shows have done this in the past. I believe, um, was it uh, um, Don't Trust the Bean, Apartment 23, I believe that. Like the, oh, that moved to the online form as it well. Was, huh? Like the last episodes were on Netflix exclu- or like only. That was the only way you can see like the rest of the season that was after it was canceled. Uh, uh, community in a much different way has been – Yeah, it got picked has up a, on has Yahoo. a final season coming out on Yahoo. Right. Or maybe, um, I don't even they, know about finals. It just has another season coming out on Yahoo after being canceled off of television. No more Shirley. No more Shirley, yeah. <laughs> But uh, along the lines of that, too, which is um, – I haven't caught up with it, but a uh, friend of the show, Jose Cadora, and yourself, you guys have watched Legend of Korra. Yeah. And they had the final two that were on uh, – the final two – was it two episodes? So the final – the last – the second half of the third season was all online. Was all online. This current right. fourth season is all online, although the last three episodes of this fourth and final season is going to air on Nickelodeon again, although it's still yeah. online. Uh, so while like the through show their app, through, through their app only, by the way, through, like, <laughs> really, yeah, or through, huh. or through like Nickelodeon.com or whatever it is, but yeah, yeah. 
So while the show Selfie may not be the most important show ever, but it's just more of the raises the question of, you know, as you move toward these online forums, is it one of the situations where you are okay with half the show moving toward online? And because that's usually how I personally watch all my medium these days. I just watch everything online, either on repeat. I actually don't really watch things live anymore. Um, and that's probably because of time constraints. So I can see why they I, – I actually don't mind them being online. It's interesting to point that out because, like, I, I'm a person that has cable, um, and so right. I use Premium my cable. cable. too. Yeah, so I use my cable. I watch things on my television because I honestly I don't prefer to watch things online unless I can – unless I can, you know, I do have hookups for my iPad, and uh, I like to connect – or my, in my PlayStation, so I like to hook things up to my giant TV because I don't prefer to watch things on a smaller screen. I, I – think I make it very clear that I like having the biggest screen possible. Um, <laughs> I, I like doing that. So, Dorothy Vaz in IMAX. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I do enjoy getting to see TV shows live on television or having a DVR where I can watch it on television in some manner. I don't like to have right. to go through extra steps to have to watch something that way. That said, Korra has been a perfectly fine experience for me. I take my iPad, I hook it up to my TV, and I watch the episodes in full HD glory, and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and the season has been pretty wonderful, by the way. Um, the third season especially. Um, <laughs> with that, third book. With the book, yes. Um, with that in mind... Yeah, I mean, obviously, we are in a different kind of – it's a, it's a changing landscape, and obviously, television networks need to learn about that as well in terms of how people are – what the best way is for pe- people to consume media and how they want to do it so they can give ch- – because, I mean, the, this kind of leads to more and more shows not having, like, much of a chance to stretch their legs out and have that time to build an audience for yeah. television watching. So I, I think that it becomes – there's, there's a pro and the con to it, and the pro is that, hey, by the way, you can have extra life online. The con is – you have to have a massive audience that watches you in order to stay on the the national airwaves because Selfie was on, on ABC, which is a national station. And uh, one of the shows that you and I both liked, um, which is no longer on anymore, was Enlisted, which yep. is the Three Army Brothers on Fox. And I kind of wish that they would have more life online, but I guess that they just are not going to do anything with that show ever again. Well, because they're not, is, they don't know, they're not going to make any money for it. Like it has a cult right. audience, and there's no one's going to like. There's only going to be so many people watching a show like this online, and you don't get much ad revenue money in the same yeah. way they do from commercials playing nationally. So. Yeah, isn't that isn't that a isn't that a bummer? Which is like, hey, by the way, we didn't, they can't make it online because there wasn't much of an audience watching it when it was on air. It's this new landscape, but at the same time. You have really good shows that are just made for networks like Netflix or Hulu Plus or yeah. whatever else. And one of them that we both watch, which is BoJack Horseman, I enjoyed it a lot. It's only for Netflix, and it's uh, it's 12 episodes, and there's actually a lot of deep things that they get into, and I enjoy that show quite a bit. So, I mean, Netflix in general, obviously, is making waves by how having it, House yeah. of Cards and Orange is the New Black, which are you know both critically acclaimed shows. And then and I think they're going to have like the new the next Marvel characters too, right? Yeah, they have that. They have Marvels, like the four their... the four heroes, superheroes. Yeah, they got the, yeah, yeah. the Daredevil show and Luke Cage and all that. Like that's happening. There's this Marco Polo series coming out on Netflix in December that I'm pretty excited yeah. to see. And like Amazon Prime TV has like Amazon's doing. Yeah, they have they just have this show called Transcendence with Jeffrey Tambor that's gotten very that's like has oh, like, yeah, best ratings of any show that's premiered this year like recently i've been watching big love on repeat on amazon prime which is the one with uh, bill paxton and the mormon life in utah it's very interesting yeah it's hbo kind of like they partnered up with amazon prime yeah. a lot of their old shows having been able to stream on amazon um it's yeah it's 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 it takes time to it's weird because like you look at some like seinfeld that's a show that if it was if it premiered today 
that would have been canceled because no one really liked the first season that much. No, like, it had to find it had to find its footing, and it didn't get great ratings. That became you would never have Seinfeld in this day and age. At the same time, look at Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld now. He has a show online called Comedians and Car- uh, Comedians getting, Comedians Getting Coffee, coffee and Cars, and cars yeah. where it's completely online. It's because Seinfeld cars. wanted to do it. Like it's not like it you know it has a minor amount of promotion and whatnot. And I think it's really like, like Crackle or something like that. Um, and it, you know it's doing whatever it can to get like a budget and get a, like a reason to be able to be advertised in places and whatnot. But it's mm-hmm. it's such a weird thing where you know Jerry Seinfeld, one of the most popular comedians in the world, is <laughs> like has an online yeah. show because that's what he can make work. Yeah, the online community is so large nowadays. And again, I you brought it up earlier, which is I think the the networks kind of have to figure that part out. Which is things are moving toward that way. And if you have TV shows on there and on your your you know national airwaves, I think that's kind of where you cover most of your bases. And it's kind of is a situation where I don't know if they can really do that because do they want to invest money in the online forum? And on the screen, you know, making these shows, which are not cheap, they do have to pay their actors quite a lot of money. I mean, I think the Big Bang Theory, they pay their actors like close to a million dollars each episode because um, they're working all the time. TV shows are, are shooting all the time. It's not as though they're, they're you know, shot three months in advance and then they just air them. They're, they're seemingly shot like every week live. So it's, it's kind of a difficult situation if you're ahead of a, a large network and – I don't know what you're gonna do. I I really I, I feel bad for the for them being in the, in that sort of position because there's a lot of stuff that you have to do to keep up with the times, but at the same time you still have to run your network and you become a Jack Donaghy situation, right? Yeah. So, sure, it kind of helped out that Netflix has always been an online community, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're gonna do with these things. I like having, having no answers to these questions. It's like, yeah, you know, yeah. that's the thing. We'd love uh, to hear your answers. Yeah. I mean, like, if you have an if you have an idea, I'll help help you write your resume and we'll send it to NBC or something. So the next thing we have here is uh, the new Steve Jobs movie, uh, penned by Aaron Sorkin, directed by Danny Boyle, and Natalie Portman and Michael Fassbender are gonna be starring in it. Um, so with this one, I mean, we've had a we've had a, a Steve Jobs movie before. It was Jobs with uh, Ashton Kutcher and. This one I think is Which probably, no one cared about. At the time. Yeah, I don't think anyone saw that. The only though, curiosity was the fact that Ashton Kutcher was Ashton playing Kutcher was, a role, but. right? And kind of like was maybe acting to his fullest. But this one is interesting because again, it doesn't really seem as though people have forgotten about the other Jobs movie. So I think the people in this movie that are directing and also starring in it, I think that it has a lot of uh, a lot of curiosity, at least on my part, which is. I really enjoyed Daniel Boyle. I enjoyed uh, Slumdog Millionaire. I enjoyed his past work, and I enjoyed 127 Hours. Uh, Michael Fassbender, who doesn't love that guy? I mean, this is a, this is a world where Christian Bale dropped out and Michael Fassbender jumped in. So it's like there was almost no change. Like, I, I get <laughs> I lose one great actor for another. Like, whatever. Yeah. But not only that, but Aaron Sorkin, he's penning the script. And I love Aaron Sorkin movies. I love Aaron Sorkin TV shows. All scenes are so full of dialogue uh, that is sharp and witty, uh, and I enjoy that immensely. So I'm curious to see how this one's going to pan out. Also, Seth Rogen is still Seth playing Rogen. Steve Wozniak. Like, this is, like, <laughs> nothing about this says I don't want to watch this movie. <laughs> like, right. And now apparently Natalie Portman's in talks to join the film as well. It's like everything about, I, I have no reason to not, like, anticipate a, a Steve Jobs, like an actual Steve Jobs movie. Not something that, you know, was assembled in, like, a, little, a few months and it's like, yeah, Ashton Kutcher's in it. That works, right? Like, yeah. I, I want to see this movie. <laughs> I'm excited to see what they're going to do with this one because I still don't really care what Ashton Kutcher had done in the past, if that makes any sense. 
So basically, we're just excited for this movie. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just a new take on it. It's, just, it's basically the, the the Apple Steve Jobs movie that I probably would you know actually pay money to see. Well, one last thing in terms of news items before we get on to other, some other stuff. Um, Alfonso Ribeiro, better known as Carlton from The Fresh Prince of Bel Air, he won <laughs> Dancing with the Stars. He did. This uh, did- yeah, this might not. I, I don't know what the reaction that people might have listening to this might be, but at the same time, if you're like me and have friends that have been randomly posting videos of him on Dancing with the Stars, a show that I do not watch, I have certainly sat down to watch these videos because I've always recognized him as quite a good dancer on Fresh yes. Prince Bel Air, yeah. and he's apparently put that to great use because now he's won Dancing with the Stars. Um, he has some very <laughs> impressive videos that I've seen. I've seen all of the, these ones. That, or the, I guess I saw him do the Carlton dance. I saw him do a Batman dance to one of the Prince songs from Batman, and now I've seen him do his finale, and the dude is great. Like, it's all like... <laughs> so the question was, was, did you even have any doubt that no, he was going right? to win? Like, no. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I didn't need to see the other performances. I'm like, what? Why? Who would win over this? Like, <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind was, uh, why wasn't he on, like, season one? He would have really? yeah. destroyed everybody. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I remember, like, watching Fresh Prince of Bel-Air growing up, and my sister, she went to UCLA. She was like, hey, did you know Alfonso Ribeiro, he's a professional dancer. He's, like, really good. And I was like, no way. He's Carlton. He's a nerd. Um, and then she's right. You know, he's a professional dancer, and he's also an actor. So, yeah, good on Carlton. Congratulations to you, sir. I've actually met him once. He's a really nice guy. He's a lovely He seems like a nice guy, yeah. And he well, seems like he's, like, my height. Y- yep, because I'm <laughs> taller than you, and he, is, he was not taller than me. That's for sure. <laughs> No, good on him. Good for Alfonso Rivera. <laughs> good job. I hope it's a sweet trophy ABC gives them. Uh, it's probably just like I don't know a pair of dancing shoes that are like gold bronzed. <laughs> With that in mind, let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to, let's get a little out of feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. We only asked for questions this week, um, and most of them amounted to how about that Star Wars trailer. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. We, Which we I all, thought was amusing and we, also we, yeah. We we only have two actual like questions that we haven't really addressed already. Um, but I'll read this first one from George. This is, says, uh, which movie hero is too oldest for this shit? Um, I like that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, too oldest. Um, it's getting to that point where I think Bruce Willis is getting too old. I was actually thinking the exact same thing. Like, yeah. I still like seeing Schwarzenegger. Like, we both like The Last Stand quite a bit. Which uh, people should go see. And Escape Plan. I liked Escape Plan. I, quite I didn't a bit. watch that one. It's solid. Like, I still like seeing him and Sly do their thing. Ooh, see, so my, my toss up was between Sly Stallone and Bruce Willis. Um, and the I, reason why I thought yeah. Bruce Willis was because we saw his last movie, which was um, uh, not even Red 2. Or, or was he in Red 2? He was in, of course, yes. He's the star. Yeah. But, he, but like, I, did I didn't the same watch thing. that one. He did the same thing as he did in Die Hard. Didn't care. I watched uh, <laughs> the one with like his son from uh, his Australian son, Jai Courtney. Yeah, Die Hard. Yeah, yeah Die Hard. Good day, Die Hard. Good day, Die Hard, right. And I was like, yeah, I, Bruce Willis, you know, you're still a charismatic guy. And you, you're still, you still got like, you know, that, that smirk that kind of gets you that's, that devilish smirk. That's uh, the thing, though. He seems like it's like when he doesn't care, it seems like he's trying to cash in on what we all know, which is that smirk. And that's just not doing it for me anymore. <laughs> like you need to like I, I especially when it comes to a character that I would. And well, I don't need to get into the good deed to die hard thoughts again. But no, please don't. it's a character that you should have the passion for to treat with respect. And you didn't even respect that. And that annoyed me a lot. Yeah. And so I don't need to see you do action movies if you're not going to try. So that's why I think he's too oldest for this. Shit. 
And the other one was Sly Stallone, which is as as much as Sly Stallone still does the action movies, and that's kind of his bread and butter. Even though he's a really good writer and he's also a really good director, uh, people kind of just remember him from stuff like Rambo. Um, well, people and, call him Rocky. Like, <laughs> yeah, and which he which he wrote, right? Wrote uh, and he directed he and, directed Balboa. And yeah, some of the others. So I. It's just that he kind of just does the same kind of action shtick, which is now that he's getting older, he's cashing in on him being older, so he's bringing all the other people. Hence, you have the Expendables, right? The Expendables 1, 2, and 3. Um, I think he's got another movie coming out, which is not that great either, but he's got a lot of movies where I'm kind of just questioning, do we really need to see more Sylvester Stallone doing the stuff that he did in the 80s a lot better? Yeah, that, I mean, that's a fair point. And at the same the same time, though, I don't not believe him in these roles. Like, they might be all the, when it, especially when it comes to his action roles. When it comes to, like, more dramatic stuff, like, I don't know, Copland or something like that, he's actually, you know, doing work because he's capable as an actor. I wouldn't say he's the strongest, but in terms of what he can bring to certain roles if he actually tries to do something more than just shoot people and say, equip you one-liner, he right. has something there. Same with Schwarzenegger, by the way, too. Um, but with Stallone, when he's doing these certain roles where it's this requires him to be action guy, I don't not like I don't dislike him in those roles. I don't necessarily need to see all of them, but at the same time, I, I don't I'm not tired of him doing it. Bruce Willis, so, I am tired of him. <laughs> yeah, so that's a good point. Which is, I'm not saying that I don't enjoy Sylvester Stallone movies, and I don't think that he's a wash up or that I think he's a wash up actor because I, I clearly don't. Uh, it's just more of I've seen a lot of his action movies, and I do I need to see more of them as he gets older? Probably not. Which is fair. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what I'm going. With. So here's here's his next films that are coming out: uh, Scarpa, Expendables Four, which is rumored, uh, Creed, Rambo: Last Blood, and Animal Crackers. See, Creed, I'm actually interested in. Creed's the one that's the follow up from not follow, but it's um it's, uh, it's from the man the guy that did um uh, Ryan Coogler who did Fruitvale Station and Michael B. Jordan's supposed to be Apollo Creed's son in that, and so I presume Rocky would have some kind of cameo. That intrigues me. Like, as much as I don't necessarily yeah. need to see more Rocky movies, I fuck, I love Fruitvale Station, and I like Michael B. Jordan a lot, so it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Big fan of Steve Montgomery. Yeah. And with uh, with that, so, again, when he's uh, he's not going to be the one that's fighting in the ring, which I appreciate. Yeah. So, I, so he's he, acting. He laid, no, yeah, he acting laid down some, some wise nuggets of knowledge for his son, Milo, back in Rocky uh, was Rocky Balboa. Six, Rocky Balboa, yeah. Rocky Balboa. Yeah, he can, and, he can be, you know, he, he can be Burgess he, Meredith. He can be in the corner, just like, you know, right. screaming at, at Michael B. Jordan. Like, Come on, like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Cut me. Cut me, Rock. <laughs> like, All right. But, yeah, so in terms of the, the guys that are too old for this shit, probably Bruce Willis and Action Stallone. Um, so we have another question here. This one's from Alessandro. Says the previous decade was all about the reboot, while this one seems to be all about the shared universe. Is there a movie property out there that isn't already doing it that you think could benefit from a reboot or a shared universe approach? Also, what did you think of the Star Wars trailer? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that was like the third question we had about the Star Wars trailer. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think, Gabe? So while the reboots, uh, you have all these new movies that are coming out that are sort of original properties or based off of old things that have been adapted to the movie screen. So. I don't know if there's like any reboot. Like you're not gonna want to see a reboot of Willow or anything like that, right? No. Or like, yeah. yeah. The shared universe thing is a neat concept, though, which is um, something the Avengers has played on. All the Marvel movies are playing on, um, and now DC's trying to figure it out too. Um, but the shared universe thing is pretty neat because uh, what what is it? Um, where it's it's like not a continuation. It, well, they're it's not, just it's telling another story that takes place in the same world. Yeah. Right, yeah. So they've had movies like that in the past where it's like not even like a reboot. It's just or, – or it's kind of like the same universe, but they just use the same characters. 
but anyhow, I think that's actually a neat concept. In terms of, like, movies specifically, I, I can't really pinpoint one and say, I really want to see a reboot of this movie. Um, There's one that I thought of the other day that I thought would actually be pretty good. Conan the Barbarian? No, because we already had that. It was already terrible. Had that. Yeah. Um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. There was a long time David Fincher was going to do that with Brad Pitt, and they can never get it work. It's, it's dead at this point. But I think with today's technology, it'd be really cool to see a giant squid movie versus a, versus a, a submarine. But Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, I think that'd be really cool to see on the big screen in, like, IMAX. Like, that could be something to work with. Um, Question for you. Yeah. So in, in addition to what Alessandro has asked is, what about horror movies? Do you think that those, like in terms of reboots, um, those would be something that you could go to and say, hey, that was a nice fresh take on, on I don't know, uh, the slasher film. Or it's, it's that's See, that's tricky because there's, you know, there's always potential. It's just more of execution. Like um, Brandon Peters, who's been a friend of the show, who's been he's writing, writing up a storm. He's been, he's been writing about the Nightmare on Elm Street series for the past month on his blog at naptownnerd.blogspot.com. And he just wrote about the remake with starring uh, Jackie Earl Haley from uh, Watchmen fame and Bad News Bears, of course. Um, and uh, <laughs> and I remember I remember seeing that movie. and I remember being fairly excited to see a remake of The Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, I'm not a huge fan of The Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. The first one, like I like the idea, I think, more than the execution. That's it. I think New Nightmare is the best one in that series. I yep, really like that approach. We talked about in the, the 90s. Horror yeah, episode, our horror bonus episode you can find on, on uh, iTunes or on SoundCloud. Um what, I was excited by the remake because the possibility of a dream demon and what you can do with that seems endless to me. So with a strong lead actor and, you know, a lot of good ideas, that could have been – that had the potential to be something really great as opposed to something like Jason or even Halloween where, yeah, it's another slasher movie. I don't know what else you can really add beyond directorial style, which is what they certainly try to do. That's what Platinum Dunes does with those movies. That's why you have Texas yeah. Chainsaw and Friday the 13th and they have – you know, they're very slick. They just lack a lot of substance. That was the problem with Nightmare on Elm Street. I really was excited and was let down because it just amounted to nothing but creative murder deaths, murder death kills, as Wesley Snipes calls them, and Sly Stallone and Demolition Man. Okay, um, I was like, where did that come from? But um, it just didn't go – like, they didn't do much with Freddy Krueger. Jackie Earl Haley was kind of wasted in the part, and it, it, you know, it certainly had dark and gritty all over it, but at the same time, it just wasn't a very good film, and it just kind of wasted potential. So when I think about horror movies I think could use a good remaking – or rebooting, sure, there's potential in anything. Again, I said this last week. I say it a lot of weeks. I don't dislike reboots and remakes. I dislike bad movies. Right. So, like, you can all, there's always a way to make something good. You just have to do it. <laughs> so um, are there ones offhand I can think of? I don't know. I have long talked about a reboot of M, the classic uh, Fritz Lang film with Peter Lorre um, from the Good 20s. I've, I've, I've constantly toyed around with the idea of making a silent film version of – or a uh, Coen Brothers version of M with Steve Buscemi as the Peter Lorre role because he has the great eyes that could fit. That actually be pretty funny. I think it would be, be pretty effective. That's not even really, it's more that's noir. It's not really horror, but still, I, I don't know. I haven't seen a great Frankenstein in a while. Maybe gonna, but I guess Universal's doing all that with their damn monster they're, movies. They're Dracula the told. So, like, you know. I can only wait and see, but offhand, not really anything that comes up for horror that I want to reboot. Shared universe, it's like, you know, whatever, whatever, make it work. I mean, the closest I can think of beyond Marvel, um, like we had like 300 came, 300 Rise of Empire came out, which is like a side sequel, which is, uh, I guess it's kind of a shared universe, what they did it's with shared that universe, but, And it was kind of happening on the same time that, yeah, so that it, the, the, the folks were over in uh, Thermopylae? Yeah. yeah. And then there was also Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, which... It takes place all over the map in terms of the timeline, but it's all in the same, you know, universe. Yeah. So I mean, there's there's films that do, and I mean, if anything, people 
might not think of this offhand, but Kevin Smith did it since the beginning. He did like Clerks, Small Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma. Those are all Which are they, all in the same universe. They're all in the same universe. They all share a lot. Some of, the of them have the same characters. They have the same characters. They're, they said at certain times, like Small Rats takes place the day before Clerks. I mean, there's just like he's done it. He did it for a while. <laughs> if if Scorsese's movies, if his like gangster movies weren't based on real things, it'd be neat to see other sides of the gangster universes that he's created. I guess there's potential out there. I just, I don't, offhand, I don't know what films to name is like, I need to see other sides of this story. Even Tarantino's universe as well. I mean, he, he has his own universe of these characters. They're all kind of shared with the names and whatnot. So I think that's it for the... That was, that was feedback, right? That was feedback, yeah. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's uh, move on now to what's coming out on DVD, Blu-ray streaming this week. Um, do a little uh, what's out now. And we've got a few things here, Abe. Uh, we have Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, uh, yeah, you should definitely go see it. For sure. We have the Congress. Uh, that was the animated one with Robin Wright Penn, right? Or Robin Wright. Right, yeah. yes. Yes. That one was interesting. I, I think that you're a little bit higher on it than I was. I'm more and more of a fan of it every time I think about it. I'll put okay. It yeah. Um, there's As Above, So Below. Huge hit. That was the French, or the, the, the ruins in France. Yeah, that movie. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm surprised you can remember it, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I forget what it's called. The Catacombs. Catacombs, the Catacombs yes. of France. Right? Uh, there's The Hundred Foot Journey with Helen Mirren. I didn't see it. Um, I heard decent I things. See it, but yeah, I heard that if you're a foodie, you might like it. Um, let's see. There's Cantinflas. Uh, this is a film about a, uh, I believe a, a, a real life uh, Mexican, um, like actor or, or personality who became popular in uh, media in some way. Hmm. Uh, fair, not, not the best description, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, it was it was like a Mexican actor who went to Hollywood and became something of a big deal. And gotcha. I know Michael Imperioli co-starred in that film. Michael Imperioli. Yeah. Uh, um, let's see what else. Justified season five out on TV. Worth watching. Justified's a great. I mean, it's Justified's one of my favorite shows. <laughs> so, love <laughs> Justified. Uh, the Strain season one. Uh, this was the Guillermo del Toro. Well, it's based off him and his co-writers, their novels, and it's the first season of that television show was on FX. Um, the middle chunk of that series shows was quite good. I know a lot of people liked it more than I did, though. So there you go. Um, some neat stuff going on. Hmm. Corey Stoll, you know, he's the star of it. So. Yes, Corey Stoll. Yeah, I just, I wish he wasn't one of the worst things about the show, which is unfortunate. Uh, like character-wise or acting Char- Like character-wise. Well, okay, I, I was just, like, dude, he's a great actor. I mean, it's, you know, he does what he can with what he's given, but yeah. his character's really annoying. Compared- Isn't he also on another uh, premium cable station TV show? He was on House of Cards. House he's, of Cards, He's yeah. in the first season of House of Cards. Gotcha, okay. Um, and yeah, that's coming out on Blu-ray DVD this week. And uh, I think Abe, I, I don't know what else we can talk about. We've going on for a while here. Yeah, I know. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this kind of this take on the, the monthly recap slash the, the week recap of news and trailers. Yeah, but um, I guess next week's show, I don't even know what we're talking about next week. Not, like, we, got, <laughs> we have, um, I know, Abe, you might not be able to attend I next may week. not be yes. here, yeah. Um, so I know Pyramid comes, The Pyramid comes out, which is a found footage movie I don't plan on seeing. And there's also Wild, which stars Reese Witherspoon. I have seen that, so I could talk about that. Maybe we'll just talk about award season stuff in general. Maybe I'll be able to get Mark Johnson back on the show. That'd be cool. MJ. J. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I'll work it out. We'll, well, no, it'll be fun probably, I'm sure. Um, but with that in mind, what should people go see now, Abe? Uh, definitely, if you can see John Wick, go see John Wick. I'd agree. I'll just agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I have a busy week of screenings ahead of me, too, so I can't. what I plan to see next is a lot of things coming out very soon. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Um, and with that said, that's going to do it for this week's episode about Now with Aaron and Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog at CodeIsEek.com. You can find all my written movie reviews as well as at YSoBlue.com for all my Blu-ray reviews. You can also find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4.
You can find more fun stuff at walrusmoose.blogspot.com and twitter.com slash walrusmoose. Hashtag Corey Stoll. And, um, yeah, you can, of course, find all the other episodes of Out Now, Out There, and on iTunes and at Stitcher as well as hhwlod.com. That is the podcast network site that hosts our show along with other shows including the Walking Dead TV podcast, which I also co-host, the Ichapod Cranecast, which I co-host, where I talk about new episodes of Sleepy Hollow. And there's Legion of Dudes and Half Hour Wasted Fun shows about comics and cool stuff like that. You can also find our episodes over at outnow.podomatic.com as well as soundcloud.com slash outnowpodcast. Email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. We talked about a lot of news items this week. We'd be wondering what, we would love to hear what your guys' thoughts are on those. Or if you guys have opinions that you guys want us to chat about, let us know. You can also interact with us over at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast or you can tweet at us at twitter.com slash podcast. And feel free to follow us on Tumblr, outnowpodcast.tumblr.com, or uh, send us a voicemail at 972-798-3830. That is a way you can audibly voice your opinions and let us hear it. Um, I am aware that we have a couple contests going on as well. I haven't forgotten about those. Yes, still we waiting. do. Yeah. Wait, still, I know people are still catching up on some of our I think that episodes. it was the, uh, the horror movies There's from the There's a the horror decades. one, and there's a little one involving Whiplash. Um, Whiplash. I'll let that keep going. With the secret word. The secret word, yes. So um, you know, feel free to listen to our past episodes to try and you know enter into our contest. I know I'll let them go a little longer than some may have hoped, but I like getting people to have a chance. So with all that said, uh, I, think we, uh, I think we've done it, Abe. We, we did it. Yeah. So that's going to do it this week. And until next time, that's going to do it. So, so long. And goodbye.